0: Welcome to Berenson Bond episode 61 with your host, Corey and Diego Berenson. Hello, Diego. Hi. We've got a wonderful guest. It's been two and a half years coming. It's Lori Lasano, our barber and stylist for the last three years. And before you even say hello, I just want to introduce you properly and say what's been on my mind. So the reason I've been so excited to have you here and super happy you're a big part of our life and styling our sweet hair. So the first time we were gonna see you, I started looking on Instagram and Googling because Diego said, I wanna get a little design on my hair. I was like, that's cool. I never got a design on my hair. I was like, let's do it. So then we start Googling, looking on Instagram, and then I found your page and just all these dope styles, just everything's so detailed. And then I was like, okay, there's one. Let me look for another person. And everybody else's didn't look good or they didn't have as much photos, wasn't as much details. like, oh, well, we're just going back to her, guaranteed, looked you up. And I was I didn't know how far you were. And I was like, oh, you're right here in South Austin. Perfect. So I cruised down there, parked the car, and I was like, oh, you didn't even decide on a, what you want on your head. Like before you get influenced, just draw what you want on paper, just in the car, like grab some receipt or something. So he's like, okay. He sat for a couple minutes, and then he did the little, you know, triangle up, down, up, down, up, down. It's like that's cool. He's like, oh, maybe it should be. I should be two. So he's sitting there, and that. So this was three years ago. So you were six, right?
1: Uh no no, no. I was seven. Were you almost seven? seven? You were seven?
0: Oh yeah, because no, I was 10.
1: almost seven. I was almost seven. Because okay. I'm almost ten.
0: That's right. That's right. So then we walk in. I'm like, hey, I show you met you for the first time. I show you like, ah, he would like this little design, and then you just paused for a second, and I remember you just said, "Whoa!" And then you pulled up your sleeve and you showed me your wrist, and it was the exact same tattoo you had on your hand, and I was like, "I remember that." Too crazy. I was like, "This is too crazy." You're like, yeah, it's right here on my hand. I'm like, how did you... Like, literally was tattooed (laughs) on your hand what came out of his head. And just on the way here, you're listening to Tejano. When's the last time you listened to Tejano?
2: Not too often. Not too often. Yeah.
0: And now you are in a room with 50-plus Tejano drumsticks. So there's a little cool connection, and, and ever since then... I just always saw there was a lot of cooking in your mind. Like You were constantly thinking. I could tell you. weren't. It was not a vacant mind. <laughs> I could tell you were thinking and just processing more than what you were doing besides doing awesome hairstyling. So I really appreciate you being here and take, taking this damn Q-tip up your nose for the COVID test. Oh. <laughs> and thank you for your time and everything you do. And uh, I'm excited to hear your stories. So welcome.
2: Thank you. Appreciate that introduction. I can't believe that was three years ago. I was yeah. almost going to be like, are you sure? Yeah. But I guess, yeah, time has really flown. Wow, I forgot about that um, That design, actually, because the one I remember the most is the one that we ended up taking a photo of, and it's still on my front page, um, the more Aztec-looking design that we oh, did right. on the side of his head. Yeah, and uh, the one that ended it all—the design of all designs—he's like, "No, too
0: many people touching my head." It was—it was so awesome. Wait, what happened, Diego? That—that that design uh, was awesome. There's
1: this one kid that just kept on like, "Ooh, nice hair, nice hair," <laughs> and I started getting really annoyed. So uh-huh. then, um, yeah.
0: <laughs> but weren't they touching your head? Yeah. Every day. I started
1: getting really annoyed. <laughs> yeah yeah wow
0: so people are invading his personal space to touch that dope design
2: wow so yeah that's the last design I did because <laughs> too many people were like oh I need to touch that <laughs> well yeah cool
0: so Mr. Diego you got some questions from, for Lori mm-hmm. I had him prepare for you right here he's got, got a couple questions okay. take your time
2: Wonderful. I'll answer to the best of my ability. <laughs> God, I'm feeling nervous now. Uh, I agree with this. Yeah, he's
0: a really good interrogator.
1: Dang, I didn't do it. <laughs> okay, um, the first one is, like, who are you?
2: Who am I? Wow, you put the easy ones up front, huh? Yeah,
0: I started. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's layup. Wow. How do you like a layup?
2: <laughs> right? Okay. <laughs> well, I am... Um, to put it all encompassing without giving much detail, I'm pretty I'm an artist at heart. I'm definitely an artist. I've always been doing art. I've always um, you know played around with a guitar since I was I got my first guitar at 10. I started teaching myself guitar like more seriously when I was 21. And that's when I also started painting. and even as a kid, I always drew, I was always drawing. So I got more into painting. I mean, you know, doing hair also fit right into that. It was kind of a creative, artistic thing. Um, so I think my whole life, really, I've been creative. So I feel like I can explain away who I am, but to put it really simply, at heart, I'm an artist.
1: Okay, uh, what got you interested in being a hairstyler or a barber? Um,
2: well, I was a, you know, me and my sister were both uh, in our, in our early teen years, we're getting into like alternative music, you know, like Morrissey, Morrissey and like uh, some of the more alternative early nineties bands that came out like uh, Nirvana or, you know, any of the kind of like rock groups that were out at the time. And the popular thing to do was shave underneath the back of our head, and have our long hair hang over it, and um, we wanted to do that, and Mom said no, and we're like, oh man! But then she ended up dropping us off at my my Thea's. Like, I guess she dropped us off like for a week or two. I don't even know if it was a whole summer or not. I, I don't even remember. <laughs> But it was out in the country. And my tía is more of the person that I found out later in the family who was cutting a lot of people's hair. Like, she didn't have a license or anything, but that was kind of her thing. She would cut my mom's hair growing up. Um, and kind of kind of in a Tosca way, kind of rough. Like, okay, come here. Come on. I'm going to cut your hair. And, um, you know, it was just kind of the thing she did because there was a bunch of siblings. And um, so when she dropped us off there, when she came to pick us back up, we had undercuts in the back because we told my aunt, you know, like that we wanted that. She's like, okay, I got clippers right here, so she just kind of went ahead and did it. <laughs> like, so, oh. yeah. When, we, when mom came back, she's like, what? And she's like, ah. so she realized she needed to chill out, I guess. So she bought us a pair of clippers. Um, and I will not say that I got good at those clippers at all. I was not good at them. As a matter of fact, who was letting you cut their hair? My sister, that's it. And that's it was it. just the undercut. And I oh, so was, you could just practice all day under there and just hide it? Uh, s- not really. Uh, <laughs> not really. I just remember not taking it seriously, always kind of chuckling away when I was doing it and her getting mad at me like, come on, take it seriously. And I was like, no. <laughs> I think it didn't help that there was probably some herbs involved. <laughs> so, I mean, it, you know, I didn't take it seriously. It was just something that we did that was kind of fun and cool. But I was a very um, troubled teen. Like I started getting in a lot of trouble, sitting out of the house, um, stealing things. You know, I just it just kind of escalated for a while where my mom did not know what to do with me. And uh, she worked at a dental assistant, ran the front desk, and was a, you know, as a dental assistant in dental uh, office. And um, so she met a lot of people coming in and out, the customers. You know, the delivery people. And uh, I guess they knew they had a customer there, a client, um, patient. That's what they call him, patient. And he was an old man, and she found out he, he owned a barbershop. And she's like, Hey, Frenchie, my daughter really needs to stay out of trouble. Can she come to your barbershop? And can you give her a job? <laughs> so he's like, Oh, sure. Yeah, bring her over." <laughs> Real old man. <laughs> yeah. Just keep her busy all day. I mean, it was just a Saturday. You know as and so did it keep me out of trouble absolutely not but I got my first experience in a barbershop which there was no men in my life like I my dad wasn't around um, my brother's dad was around sort of but they were divorced so quick like I, there was no like male figures around me to take me to a barbershop so how would I know my brother, my my mom would always just take him to Fantastic Sam's on her own to the to the mall and he'd get his done really without his present most of the times. I think I saw him get his hair cut once. But when I got that Saturday job, they had me sweeping in there and changing the little neck strips and just doing little like small things to keep the place like neat and in order. But I it really made an impression on me. But it wasn't like I I didn't like instantly think, like, Oh, this is my life. I just knew like hey mom's off, mom's office is like really regimented. It's really like it's an office. she has a computer she has to type things. you know this is like not an office. and I was watching like this is this is somebody's job. this is what people do. It just seems so relaxed that was real that really made a huge impression on me so um that was a catalyst to me being interested in hair those two things, kind of like mm-hmm. the modern styles and that one little job
1: yeah. <laughs> Uh, My third one is, when did you start being like a barber slash hairstylist, I guess?
2: Um, Well, I did go to cosmetology school when I was 19. I finally decided like that I needed to have a job that seemed to have more of a future. So I was working like a cash register in this little restaurant or this little pizza place. Nothing that was... That seemed like a real job, like longevity. And not that I was thinking long term because I'd never done that and I was only 18 or 19. But I just knew that it was time to get a little more serious. And so the only thing I could think of in my head was doing hair. Because even then, like, by then, like, if my friend owned a clipper, I would take the clippers to his head. Nothing nothing amazing. Absolutely not. Just, like, one the whole way. You know what I mean? <laughs> and I wasn't even careful. It was just, and then, you know, people like, oh, she cuts hair. So I remember I had a friend ask me to cut her hair. Came out completely crooked. <laughs> she had, like, the T-boss. She wanted, like, oh. <laughs> she wanted, like an, uh, you know, shorter in the back, longer in the front, kind of cool style. And it didn't come out even. I was completely not dedicated, completely didn't actually care. It was just, eh. But when it came time to make a decision, I was like, the only thing I can think of is hair. And so I enrolled at 19. Uh, what was Yeah, I enrolled at 19, finished school by 20 in Houston at Visible Changes, which is cosmetology program. And, um, yeah, by 20, I was licensed to do cosmetology. But a lot of time went by, and I didn't exactly like that industry. But I really made do the best I could because I had the license and I couldn't understand how I could ever go back to school and still pay bills. So I just did my best. And literally 13 years later, I started teaching in New York City. And through that teaching program, the students really just kept questioning me about what my favorite things are to do. What do you like to do, Miss L? What do you like to do? Wait, wait, wait! You were
0: teaching how to cut hair in New York.
2: Yeah, I was teaching cosmetology. Ah, okay. Yeah, my 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 career for hair kind of spans a lot of years there mm-hmm. because, and I, and there were times where I really tried to dip out. Like, what else can I do? But I would find that I just didn't have anything else to fall back on. Nothing that could that could hold me over. Nothing, nothing that brought in real money. So I have, I kept going back to it. Um. But I did end up leaving Texas and moving to California. Um, and when I was there, I met a girl that I really liked. And she was like, well, I'm moving to New York. And I was like, well. Me too. <laughs>
0: exactly. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say that too.
2: Yeah, like, <laughs> like, like, can I go? Can we go together? So she was down with it. So I was like, great. So I ended up like uh, six months later uh, following her to New York. And, you know, at the time, I really knew that, I wanted to teach, but I couldn't. I was at the time I was in a job actually where I was an administrative assistant in a in a cosmetology program at a trade school in Oakland. So that was kind of like my in like okay, I'm not a teacher here, mm-hmm. but at least some am a teacher's assistant, kind of admin person. So I got to see what a program would be like and what teaching seemed to be like. But if I wanted to teach there, I had to get a degree. And it, to me, I didn't have the will to get a degree. I was like, eh, I kind of just want to leave here and go enjoy Oakland when I'm done with work. And that's what I did. But I still knew I wanted to teach. So when I got the opportunity to to leave uh, to New York with this newfound relationship, I certainly did. And um, and then I was like, you know what? If I'm going to go all the way to New York, then I'm going to do that thing that I've been wanting to do, which is teach. So I did. And I went there and I got this job at a private uh cosmetology school and you know they hired me and i was in new york city all of a sudden t- uh, instructor for cosmetology it was whoo vibrations i mean it was amazing <laughs> i was like whoa i'm not even from here and like whoa the energy and like whoa i'm teaching like whoa i don't know what to do but i'm gonna kill this so i went in with all the fire and all the fury and all the intention of doing the best that i could and and that's what it you know ended up happening um I ended up realizing like there was no program, there was no classes for short hair cutting in there. They would show them how to do long layers, how to do a bob, you know, how to do short layers, how to do banks.
0: Yeah, they'd show them everything. So it was women's hair only?
2: No, no, but definitely was- not. But it was uh, services that are geared towards women, but definitely not women only because anybody can get a pedicure, but mm-hmm. mostly women get them, right? Mm-hmm. So we had to learn everything and teach everything. But In everything that was, you know, you needed to know in order to pass a state board to become a cosmetologist. I noticed nobody really knew how to cut short hair. The students in there could like cut long hair and blow dry it out and curl it up and, you know, do all kinds of fancy stuff, do updos, and they could do all that stuff. But when it came to cutting short hair, I was like, they were kind of like, oh, Miss L, come help me. So I was like, you know what? So I talked. I talked to the, to the. uh, director of the school mm-hmm. and i was like hey um, i have this idea i was thinking about doing a workshop for you know short cutting because you know it's something that i'm really good at and then i would love to teach and kind of fill in the gaps here for what's not being taught he's like well go write a you know go write a curriculum and then we'll talk and i was like perfect so i went home and i scribbled away and i was like i couldn't believe it i was wow. like i was like whoa okay <laughs> i mean the whole time they've been teaching me how to write curriculum so it was no big deal i went home wrote it and i came back and i brought it to him and he's like okay when do you want to start he goes and you know what i said you know what i'll even give them a certificate of completion they'll do it in two weekends they'll come one saturday and they'll come the next saturday they can clock in get hours and i'll give them a certificate to of completion he goes he goes okay he goes we'll stamp it with our seal so it's stamped by the school and i was wow. like oh my god i was like okay That's was, awesome yeah it was like a huge deal um, so I suddenly had agency over my time there because I was going to quit there too. I was like, oh, ah, uh, like this is too much. Like I'm stressed out. I have extra gray hair. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so as soon as you got a little bit of personal control, it shifted your whole mindset towards being there. Absolutely. Because then you a little bit of grip on your own time in life.
2: Yes. Like, oh, actually, okay. Cause I actually quit. Like, I think after like six months I quit. I was like, no, I'm, I, I don't like it. And they're like, they're like, well, you know. Actually, I did the day program, did that full-time, and then I switched to night program because I was not liking it. It was too stressful. I was getting up too early. I was, you know, I'm just, I'm such a night owl. I was like, I, can't, I don't know if I can handle all this. And it was intense, too. And so they moved me to part-time, which was the night classes. And um, even then, I was like, I told him, I said, okay, I'm giving my two-week notice. And I was I was already like, I was like, on it, I, was, I had already thought about it, you know, really did my soul searching. And I was like, I'm good. Uh, so I quit. And she's like, are you sure? She's like, you know, why don't you do um, substitute teaching? She's like, you only come in when the teachers need you. And that when they can't make it, they'll we'll call you and say, we need a substitute. And I was like, oh, and I was like, okay. And so I thought about it and I was like, you know what? That sounds great. <laughs> I need a job still. So I did it. And so once they allowed me to do the program, the short haircutting workshops, then I was on call as a teacher doing the workshops on the weekends. And then at by that point, enough students had asked me what my favorite thing to do was. And I just kept giving kind of... Mm. so so answer's like no I think I like this oh I think I like this until one day I was like you know I just like cutting short hair I just like cutting it short I probably should have been a barber and whenever it I said that it, it hit it me out. yes I was like oh, I should have been a barber so that was like kind of like ding the light went off and Do you that's, where
0: exactly you were and all that
2: yeah I was in school teaching I was at Empire Beauty School next door to the Empire State Building it was a building next door to the Empire State Building in Manhattan and I was in one of the classes and they said that and I remember how bright those crazy lights were because it was bright in there <laughs> and I remember thinking like oh <laughs> like it, it was like how come it took so long for me to get to that Like, and then I was like you know it just it's crazy because my first job ever was in a barbershop and even that didn't build any connections in my mind <laughs> but from that point on I was like That's what I am. I'm a barber, and I'm going to do everything in my power to switch over from cosmo-barber. So then I started to get into uh, hybrid salons, which are salons where cosmetologists work, but they focus mainly on on men's hair, and they call themselves a barbershop. But you could also still go in and get hair color. Mm -hmm. You can get a straight razor um, shave in there. But also, a uh, woman with long layers can go in there and get her hair cut, too. So it's, it's what I call a hybrid
0: barbershop. They just, they're just they just trying not to limit themselves too much, like trying to get the business. On
2: not only that, shop. but the fact is, is like most of those people working there, uh, performing the services, are cosmetologists. And they only legally need to have one person in there that has a barber's uh, license. Because that's what makes it a barbershop, is a barber in there. <laughs> so they can hire like, you know, 10... 10 cosmetologists and stylists to do the same thing sort of that the barber's doing, except they can't use a straight razor legally, but the barber can. But they can do everything else. So, yeah, it's it's a hybrid. It's a really good way to kind of move towards barbering. Because mm-hmm. if you just, bam, quit the salon and go right into like a barber shop that does nothing but barbering and does nothing but fades all day and mm-hmm. shaving, you know, you're going to be like, you're at a loss for your skill set because you haven't been used you know you haven't really gotten used to that yet right so the hybrid barbershops are an excellent way to inch your way towards barbering okay yeah yeah that's what i did so at that point excuse me at that point i was working in the hybrid barbershop doing my weekend um workshops for short hair cutting for cosmetologists and then every now and then doing the teacher like filling in for a teacher in a school in the school yeah in the the same school i was doing the workshops yeah yeah. So I know that's a long answer, <laughs> but you have to go there because like it was, yeah. it wasn't, it wasn't, it was just like, it's a journey, man. It was a journey to figure that out. And all of those people, all those students really played a huge role in me understanding that that's where I needed to be. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It was pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> um,
1: my fourth one is, what was the first place you gave someone a haircut? What was the first, What? Where was the first place you gave someone a haircut?
0: You mean like, like ever like when she was cutting her sister's hair? You mean like a business place?
1: Um like the business place I guess like where where were you when you gave someone your their first or not their first like you did your first haircut to yeah. someone?
2: I'm going to take it way back, okay? <laughs> take it. back. the business one isn't that exciting. I'm not <laughs> uh, I think I could know that one, but the first person I ever cut their hair was my brother. He was seven years younger than me, and I was 10 years old at the time. And so, if yeah, so he's about three. And um, so, you're about Diego's age? 10? Yeah. Ten. Yeah, that's crazy. I was okay. about 10 years so old. So, would
0: be like if you cut Sophia's hair.
2: Y'all are seven years apart?
0: Uh, well, not that much, but <laughs> uh, maybe another younger cousin. So.
2: Yeah. We were playing with his toys, uh, you know. We were playing with his toys on the floor in the room. Mm-hmm. Probably cars. He had all these Hot Wheels, and I looked at him and I was like, "I'm going to cut." You really hair. need a haircut, <laughs> you know, because like young Mexican, young little Mexican boys, oh, yeah. three years old, when their hair grows, it is just like, Cheap head. Yes, it's like giant Q-tip head <laughs> porcupine. And so it just dawned on me when I looked at him, like, "Whoa, your head is giant. And it's because that hair." <laughs> And so he's, I was like, Oh, we have some scissors in the bathroom. I go, Let me cut your hair. And he goes, Okay. You know, he was just like, He's game. (laughs) So we went right to the bathroom and, um, I started just like, you know, like, uh, freehanding, freehanding like the sides of his hair, getting it down to like, Don't be such a big ball, (laughs) you know. And it looked really good at first in my 10-year-old eye. Yeah, yeah,
3: yeah.
2: But then, you know, I was like, oh, there's one piece sticking out. And I went, and that plugged him. And I was like, oh, shoot. So I had to plug the other side just to even it up. And before you know it, it was like, I was really jacking him up. So I was like, yeah, I got in trouble. But he did look better. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So my brother was my first haircut. And he continues to be a huge play a huge role in my career. As every time I, when I since I moved back to Texas, every time I need a model for a new job or you know for whatever, he's my model. I'm like Ryan, come on, let's go. Yeah, do this. He's got a thick beard and all this hair. He's like, come on, yeah. So, yeah.
0: Still chopping that head. Still chopping
2: that head up. Yeah. (laughs) The business one's not that exciting. I'm pretty sure it was in uh, the salon I first worked at. Um called Backstage Hair Salon in Houston. It was it was way more high end than I needed to start out. I really should have started at a great clips and just like did like fifteen cuts a day. Instead I was like doing like three cuts a day at this high end place and scared hiding behind walls. Yeah (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Does that answer your question? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah.
1: (laughs) And then uh Okay, the fifth one, numbering's is really weird.
0: Yeah, <laughs> my bad. You changed your mind a couple times. Okay. Just go to the next number. The home.
1: fifth one is, um, why did you want to be like a hairstylist? Why did you want to be a barber?
2: The reason why I wanted to be a barber is because I realized that I could have what I had wanted the whole time when I was a cosmetologist, which was to just focus on cutting short hair. And, um, you know, I really just wanted to have those clippers in my hand um, because that's what I was doing before I went to school. You know, I was just cutting my friend's hair with it. You know, I thought that's what I was going to be doing, but it just turned out to be so much more involved. I was like, oh, my God, now I have to do color. What am I doing with these rollers? Oh, my God, I'm putting perm in someone's hair. Oh, my God, I'm doing a pedicure. It just became more than i wanted but i just i found it hard to question myself like what do i do now like, did you feel
0: more stressful were you doing all that absolutely
2: stuff? yeah it was stressful because it was unenjoyable and it was stinky you know like doing perms oh that solution stinks now i was good at rolling those perms i had mm-hmm. i had my suspicions why <laughs> <laughs> And they came out great, but still, I mean, I was like, God, I don't want to do this. Like when it came to the chemical part, I was like, ugh, stinky and insane, like to have a big plastic bag over someone's head and being in charge of not putting those chemicals in their eyes. I'm like, oh my God. So it might, I mean, to other people, I can understand how they can enjoy all that. But Mm. to me, I was just always like, can I just cut hair? And people were like, no, we really need you to do these highlights and we really need you to do this color. And so when it came time... Realizing barbering was a was an option, I was like, perfect. I was like, I can I can work with short hair like all the time. Yeah, and uh, you know, get good with these clippers. And then knowing a razor would come into play, I'm like, yes. I was like, I just want to do. I would just want to use sharp tools. <laughs> <laughs> just want to cut some things. <laughs> a couple
0: sharp blades. Yeah. An open blade.
2: So at first, it was really about the the service that I felt I was mm-hmm. missing out on. But as I did become a barber, it really became more about just loving, you know. Same thing that cosmetology became about was like the finish, like people feeling good about themselves. And I think that's kind of where it always lands.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, my last one is, how did you learn your skills and how did and how to do the detailed designs? Oh, um, did anyone like teach you, or did you? get self-taught, I guess.
0: Got yeah, it. Yeah, since you can draw and paint and all that, is it, I'm guessing that's how it came into play, to do those intricate designs and styles that you can do.
2: I think that yeah. that is definitely a good um, um, a good backdrop for starting. You know, I knew I could draw, you know, not amazing like comic books and stuff. I mean, I could try, but I mean, I could draw, you know, I could, I could get some dimension in there and get some perspective on there. But, um, you know, designs, it was funny because designs, I really thought that all barbers knew how to design. And that was like, if you don't know how to design, you're not a real barber. Is, Just, that, is that what
0: you thought or is that how it
2: That's means? what I thought. Okay. Like literally when I was becoming a barber, I was like, the last thing I want is to not be enough and to, to not uh, meet the standard of what a barber should be. Because as it is, you're going into a male-dominated, um, you know, industry. Mm-hmm. I'm going to be a female there, and I'm going to need to to be as good as these men standing next to me, if not better. But at that time, I'm like, I just, you know, like I need to be up to par. And so I just, I just thought in my head it was an assumption that I was totally wrong. But I didn't know that till later that all barbers had to know how to do designs. So once I got my fades where I wanted them to be, and you know, they could always improve, but once I felt comfortable how my fades are coming out, I was like, okay. So I got into this. I finally got into a shop that I felt like was going to usher me into like a better place as a barber because it was like nine barbers. They're all men. I think there was one woman working there, maybe, but she was sometimer. She would, she didn't come in very often. Um, so. I just, like I said, I assumed all of the barbers standing around me knew how to do designs. And I thought, okay, I'm going to take this, 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 this job at the shop. My main focus now is going to be designs. Because before my main focus was doing edge-ups, using my razor properly, not cutting people. <laughs> you know what I mean and you know I definitely drew blood on folks when I was uh you know working out the edge ups and the razor work but Mm -hmm. to me they were sacrificial lambs I'm like I got to do this cut
0: one way (laughs) to learn this unfortunately with your face right exactly
2: (laughs) exactly and I'm gonna get this learning down nobody's gonna stand in my way not your face not this fade (laughs) so once it came time I was like okay so It was time to go to the next level. And I got this opportunity to work with these amazing barbers. And so I was like, now is the time to learn designs. Cause where I was, nobody was asking for designs. It was one of the more like kind of like a a high end kind of barbershop. Um, and nobody was asking for those edge ups either, but I didn't care. I was giving it to them. And some of them were like, Oh, they look at their hair. They'd be like, Oh, I've never had this. And I'm like, well, you got it now. <laughs> yeah. And some of them never came back, and yeah. a lot of them came back. They're like, well, this is new, and it had to look good. And, man, dang, you, the attention I got when I left. So, you know, that was the thing they weren't asking for. That was given to me anyways. So I was like, I'm going to learn these yeah. edge ups And so I did. So when I left that place, the next thing is I'm going to learn these designs. And so instantly I started getting designs because it was more of uh, it was more of like a corner neighborhood barbershop, not okay. such a high-end, uh, you know, businessy barbershop in New
0: York at the time?
2: No, this is Houston.
0: Okay, so you came back. My
2: bad. Um, my when I left um, when I decided to do the whole like let me switch to to barbering, I did a year in a hybrid shop in New York, had to move back to Cali, and then did a year in a shop a barbershop that was not so hybrid um, in San Francisco. And then I, that's when I was like, you know what? I want this license. I don't want to be floating around town as a cosmetologist saying mm-hmm. I'm a barber. I want I want the whole thing I want the whole enchilada. <laughs> so you know what it came down to is I, I had to find a school that I can afford and my mom was still in Houston and you know I found a school in Houston I did some research and she's like yeah come down here. I was like the program's three months to cross over from cosmo to barber she said like, come down you can stay with me so I did that I came down you know went downtown to Modern Barber College what's up Don <laughs> and. uh. Yeah. I got my license there. So then I decided to stay. And so I got into a shop. It wasn't, that didn't work out for different reasons, but that guy right there really showed me how his razor, his razor work was, man, he was, he was the best, but I just couldn't stay there because it just wasn't busy enough for me. So I went, I ended up going to this other shop that was busy, but it was a high-end shop and nobody there wanted designs. Nobody didn't want to edge ups, but I gave them to him anyways. <laughs> you still got
0: to keep yeah, Skills like, sharp.
2: I was like, like I said, to me, they were all sacrificial lambs. <laughs> so then I, I was like, okay, it's time to move up. So I'm always thinking like more skills, more skills, like Pac-Man, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so the next place I go to, I'm like, all right, this is it. They're probably going to have more, you know, I'm just going to focus on designs. And it's like almost instantly people came in and started, hey, could you, you know, do this? And this at the time, everyone's, a lot of people were asking for lotus flowers on the bottom. And so I was like, okay, a lotus flower. So, you know.
0: Like I'm, right at the base of the back of the head? Yeah. Kinda, yeah. Right on the, the bottom of the base.
2: Those. Yeah. Yeah. That was a uh, 2016, maybe. Yeah. 2016. And um,
0: I've never seen a few
2: of those. Yeah. It was like the most popular thing at the time. I think my first design there was like some like a soccer kid came in and he wanted like a, a real long stripe on the side and to go around to the other side. And it was, it wasn't complex, but it was just still like enough for me to be like, I was like so nervous because all these really great barbers were standing around me. And um, I assumed they all knew how to do designs. And I didn't want to be that new person in the shop who's also a girl. Who also like, can she really cut? Nobody knows. Nobody's seen my work. And then mm-hmm. I'm over here like doing my first design literally in front of them. Um It wasn't my very first design, but it was it was I would say it was probably my second design. But not but in this shop was my first. So, you know, you got nine barbers working in a yeah. circle looking like kind of, they're doing their work, but they're kinda of like eyeballing you. You know, checking out what's gonna happen. It took me like an hour. I ran so far behind, but I was like, I'm not gonna stop with this design until it looks perfect and amazing. And it did look really good, but I took too long, and I think everybody could see like I was nervous. <laughs> so I was like,
0: well, whatever. <laughs> hey, the end came out. The result, yeah, proved itself. Even if like, you're slow, like everybody's slow at trying to do something the first time.
2: Nobody. I don't think anybody knew it was my first time. So that's also the the but thing. You did. Yeah, I did. Yeah. So I was I was sweating. <laughs> But then like somebody else came in. A girl came in and she wanted that lotus. And I was nervous. But I just looked something up online and I was like, and I looked at my phone. And I was doing the, the design and it came out fairly decent. And I and I grabbed Joaquin, the owner, who is a barber too, and I was like, hey, what do you think about this? And I, he goes, he looked at it and he looked at the head and he looked at it, and he, looked at it and he looked at the head, he goes, I think you got it. He's like, I mean, you nailed it. I, I mean, I knew it didn't look the most amazing, but it was still proportionate it still you know it looked good so I was like okay so I took a picture the girl took a picture checked her out she told somebody else somebody else came in they told somebody else somebody else came in before you know it I was like in there doing designs all the time and it was not one one day that was there and I I was because I had my station they had moved me next to the front desk Mm-hmm. So I, I remember hearing Anna the girl who worked at the front desk say, "Oh yeah, well, okay. Yeah, we only have two barbers in here that really do designs." And I turned and I thought I was like, "What?
0: Like, Who's this other barber?" I know. <laughs> No, I'm a mess. someone's going to. Do
2: them. <laughs> no, I was I was Get like razor. I had no idea that the other barbers didn't do designs. Is that that's what it was. Okay. Yeah, I was like there's only a couple of us that do designs. Which I think she was leaving Joaquin out, the owner, because he only wanted to give walk-ins to everybody else. So Joaquin did designs.
0: But and you didn't know at the time?
2: No, I didn't know at the time. I thought everybody did designs.
0: You just oh you just thought everybody did. Yeah. So of course he did.
2: So that was my first time to okay. find out that oh I was goodness. one of the few in the shop that did designs. Wow. I was like, Oh shit. And by then I had already like gathered like I think I mean I wasn't like the dopest flyest at it but I was getting to where like I was liking the results and I was continuing to get more people coming in so the results were 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 bringing me more customers and more designs which gave me more practice which I was getting better you know and I could see it and now I was like holy crap like I didn't realize that My thought, thinking that I was trying to keep up with everybody else.
0: And you're just going light years ahead.
2: Yeah, I had no idea. (laughs) So I was like, wow. What a good place
0: to be because, I mean, what a good move to go back to Houston to even attempt that whole mission. Because Houston is a city who loves some hair designs. Yes. If you would have stayed in San Francisco, you would have had to move into Tracy, Modesto, Oakland. That would have been your spot doing designs. Maybe, yeah. but not in San Fran. But to go to Houston, you you can do all types of hair. And everybody wants designs.
2: Yeah, yeah, and I was getting a lot of females come in too. Like there was, I was getting males from, some some. <laughs> I was getting some um uh, some some uh some guys come in too. Definitely, but the majority started to be women. So it was just like, it was kind of, and I guess the reason why I say that is because, I don't even know why I said that. I don't know.
0: So you're getting all this practice. I'm getting all this practice. Out you're one of the two, but really, you're, only, you're the only practicing one. If Joaquin's not really even doing it.
2: Yeah, I mean, he doesn't really have designs come in that much anymore. He's kind of just taking care of his regulars.
0: I mean, at the time, you were doing it. Yeah, what, every day.
2: Uh, I would or say there were there were times where I was doing like one a day. Yeah, and um, which was great. You know, to me, it was it became the most fun part of my day. I was like, cool, okay and i started to feel less pressured
0: mm-hmm.
2: about everybody watching my work and
0: more paying attention to what you were doing
2: yeah i became it became meditative like i became like okay what kind of design can i put on here what you know like how can i from the little skill that i have right now mm-hmm. how can i do that on their head but then just branch out ever so slightly that was my that was my trick don't go far out of the box of what you're comfortable with but go just a little bit out of the box, just to continue to grow a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, because I, you know, I I still had a time frame. That haircut still needed to be done within this much time. It needed to be good enough for them to pay for it. <laughs> so
0: like, and not take two hours.
2: Right, right. So that was the whole thing. I couldn't just like let me reinvent the wheel right now. Like, no. Yeah, yeah. Stick to the little bit you know, and then embellish that just a touch, just to continue to be creative.
3: Yeah. <laughs>
1: you,
0: good? you good? You good, son? Yeah. Okay. You alive?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You down to hang a little bit longer? hmm Huh? Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Yeah.
2: <laughs> These
0: answers are really long, but so nice. is life, if you're lucky. <laughs> if you're lucky. Yeah, because when I look at this nice one, when you're saying that, I think it seems like more pressure to be cutting short hair than fluffing up all this big giant women hair or long hair rather than going tight with the razor to the scalp from the outside in it seems like that what you do seems way more stressful but you're saying it's more calming because you actually get to hyper focus on what you're doing and get to be artistic and it's kind of your stamp and now you're you're doing it you're not paying attention to other people you're just in the zone Mm -hmm. like and you said you just noticed when you felt that time when you're like okay i'm doing what i'm supposed to be doing did that light go off at some point you know one of those days like yeah you said i'm more relaxed you're just doing your thing and you feel like i've found what i'm supposed to be doing like so when you leave you're like ah this is this is how it's supposed to be yeah um, as as far as an artistic outlet i guess on that front and it's paying you obviously you know nice intricate designs are more they do mm -hmm. cost more but it's it's such a cool piece because like this temporary art piece that you get to do and get it, get in, getting a haircut at all. You know, I equate to some things that we get in life now that like the little kings and kingdoms mm-hmm. of, you know, we have things delivered and brought to us, food prepared and brought to us. Mm-hmm. It's something that you can feel awesome about after you get a really good haircut or design. Yeah. You can't do yourself. You can't, like. it takes a human to do it. Yeah. Uh, and you, it's just something that you feel so fancy and you're like, yes, <laughs> you can't achieve it without this other person. And that's why I always tell him like, Hey, we need to show some appreciation instead of just saying it. That's why I'm happy you're even here today, Sharon, because like you're a person, a life and the story and you're a big part of it. And you're not just some person we go to and like, thank you, goodbye. And it's like, we make it so transactional. Mm-hmm. Where, you know, I just like this to, instead of just say it, like I said, just show them like, hey, this is how we appreciate you listening to people and we're going to learn things that have no idea, you know, yeah. and other, you know, I listen to things where like in the, even in the beginning of this podcast, like, you know, like, they're like, oh, who are you going to get to, to be on there? And that's like anybody.
1: It doesn't yeah. matter. Everybody I find everybody's story. interesting. Uh-huh. I
0: find everything so interesting and fascinating. Like, I don't know much. And I need to listen to other people because that's where I'm really going to learn and show him, hey, you know, don't make assumptions out there. Yeah. Don't make judgments. Yeah. Don't make those calls. You don't know. You don't know what people are going through. You don't know what they're doing. Mm-hmm. And uh, and even now that like, you have this amazing skill in the present times of everybody, hey, back <laughs> off. You got that, you got that dangerous virus. Like even you getting tested, come in, it's like. I don't like it and I appreciate you doing it. it's like you know we're supposed to be close and then your your skill literally requires a human to be touched yeah you know mm-hmm. like, that requires the human to be there mm-hmm. so I know it's probably been tough for you and hard for you and you're coming back and you're, you're doing all these amazing things you didn't take it as a downfall you took it as an opportunity to ramp up things that you've been working on which I like talked about the chemicals and the products and stuff but like when you volunteered to come to our garage in the hot summer heat <laughs> with three tiny fans on and be willing to cut our hair in there i don't know how busy or not busy you were but you came dressed to impress fresh clean crisp shirt <laughs> and you put up with the heat and you cut and you do awesome hair and you didn't and you might not you might have been busy all week or maybe you didn't have a job for 2 weeks i don't know because you always brought like that full attention and care to what you do. And I saw that and I appreciate that. And he, you know, they notice like, hey, you know, Lori's always handling it. It's not even a question. But as on the other side, as a grown up, I could see like, hey, everybody's out there and you're coming like, I'm doing what I do. And it was awesome.
2: Thank you. So, That's a huge compliment. Thank you. And I don't remember what was going
0: on for me every time, <laughs> <laughs> but, I, but I remember I was like, I was like, you know, Thomas, like, man, she's like, oh, it's so hot. And I was like, she's like, I'm scared of the virus. And I'm like, uh, we got to ask, you know, we can't like expect, you know, you to sweat out there. But yeah. uh, we appreciate it, and it's you know, you're working with the times, and and uh...
2: yeah, seriously, <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't do that for everybody either, though. Um, because y'all are a family, uh, I definitely am more lenient when I see like, okay, this person has kids, um, you know, um, you know, so I, I try to be more flexible. Um, so my, my clients that I go there and take care of like them and their son or them and their daughter or whatever the case be, I definitely try to be more flexible because obviously they're they have somebody else they're responsible for so I wouldn't be as strict like no I'm not doing that you know I I definitely bend more because I think that's what y'all are doing for your kids I just think it's it's necessary you know I'm like yeah I don't want to sweat in his garage <laughs> but you know what I'm gonna do it because you know they're trying to take care of their own family they have a, they have a full family and so, I'm gonna help them be do that best I can.
0: <laughs> yeah, so Diego, when are you gonna get your next design? Come on. <laughs> I'm good. Come on. I'm good. Hey, what if I promise you no one will touch your head or you could smack anybody that to touch you? What if I told you that? uh uh-uh. No? I don't
1: wanna smack anybody. <laughs> <laughs> That's probably a good uh, rule of thumb there. Yeah.
2: yeah.
0: All right. He'll change his mind
2: when he's about 20. He's like, oh, yeah, I'll yeah. smack that he's like, he's like no, I'm get that <laughs> But I do want to answer your question, how I had, like, this pivotal moment of where I was just yeah. like, oh, like, you know how I told you that I went to the hybrid barbershop in New York, and then uh-huh. I ended up moving back to um, the Bay, which I ended up going back to uh, Oakland. Um, so I got a job in San Francisco at this barbershop, and then I was living in Oakland. And this barbershop was touted, self-proclaimed, as the busiest barbershop in San Francisco. I was like, perfect, you know? (laughs) And um, because nobody likes to sit around, right? Um, And fight for customers. So um, it was. It literally was. They They gave me a, I don't know, a thousand business cards with my name on it. I don't think I passed out more than five. I didn't have to. I'd go there and there would be a line out the door. So it was like... It was just constant boom, 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 boom. And it wasn't the cheapest barbershop either, you know? It was kind of like, uh, I would say definitely an old timey traditional slash hipster barbershop. But it was, it was like the only one of its kind nearby. And that was a, definitely a hipster neighborhood and they wanted their hip ass hair. And so I was like, well, come on, I want that hip ass money. <laughs> <laughs> it was good. It was great. Um, so it was a great place to develop further. Um, because it was so busy.
0: Because you had to do a great job quick and move on to the next one.
2: Yes, and in a different environment than it was in New York. Uh, the chairs were much more modern in New York. The space was much more modern. But then I went to San Francisco, and because they wanted to more to be a traditional spot, everything in there was antique. The chairs were from, like, the, the 30s or the 20s. I mean, they were like, if you wanted to, like, push that knob down to get that chair to go up, you really had to give it some, like... Some power and some strength. I'm like, no, I'm gonna keep them all like this. (laughs) But they were heavy chairs and the whole, all the stations uh, were giant armoires of antique, like really just ornate. Antique wire with mirrors, and they're like, "Oh, we got this online, and it came from Texas, and it Ooh, came from some place that fancy. Lyndon B. Johnson was said to have had his haircut at this barber shop."
0: So people um, were paying for not only good cuts but the aesthetics and the whole atmosphere. Oh yeah,
2: uh-huh. they didn't even have AC in that place because you much, know it's California.
0: Yeah, oh, you don't
2: need it. Well, they kind of did, but they never ran it. They never ran it unless it was. Saying hot, which rarely happened, then we'd be like, we'd all be like, okay, could you just turn this on? And they would, but otherwise, the doors are always open.
0: That's
2: nice. And I just remember, like after my first or second day there, I went home and I told my girlfriend, I was like, and as I was cutting hair, okay, so I went home and I told her, I was like, I am where I'm supposed to be, and those words rarely came out of my wow. mouth, but it was a it was a moment where I was like, I'm meant to be a barber. And I'm exactly where I'm supposed to be right now. And um, so I just remember having that moment. And then even me being like, whoa, that came out of my mouth. And just being like, wow, what a trip. And she was just like, I'm so happy for you. (laughs) (laughs) But the thing that would always come out of my mouth when I got to Houston and I really started to like struggle, but also struggle as in like to create a beautiful cut. You know, with no lines and everything like that. You know what I'm saying? Um, The thing that I would tell myself was, like, if I was struggling at all, in my head, I'd say, you were meant for this. And that would empower me. Like, this is you. You were meant for this. So don't worry. Like, this is exactly where you're supposed to be. And actually, it, it would improve everything that I was trying to do. It was just to reinforce that I was meant for this. That I was in my place in life.
0: That's incredible. That helps take the edge off and problems you're dealing with. You're like, oh, what if... The, and, uh, oh, you just... That vanishes. You're like, oh, this is what I'm supposed to be doing. So yeah. So I can ignore that other nonsense creeping in your head.
2: So that if I'm where I'm supposed to be, I have a skill at, at this moment that I need. All I just need to do is just keep at it. And so it's just... Uh, barbering helped me have so many empowering... Uh, voices of my own going through my head. More than any other thing else I did. Because when I was a, cosmet- a cosmetologist and I would color hair, i go to the back and pray. and be like, God, I hope this comes out. <laughs> 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 I really hope this works. Oh, yeah, and that man. wasn't me.
0: You just wanted to do a good job of just to... Too many variables. And I didn't want to be
2: embarrassed. Like, then I just wasted like an hour and a half of time doing something that didn't work on your hair. And now I have to redo it and I'm embarrassed because I'm, I'm, uh, I'll be seen as like not knowing my job or whatever the case be. Mm-hmm. So I really was stressed out as a cosmetologist because I was doing a lot of things I didn't really want to be doing. I didn't really have the heart to be doing. Mm-hmm. So instead of having an empowering thought in my head, I go to the back of pray I'm like, oh, please, no. <laughs> please
0: let this come out.
2: <laughs> so yeah, as a cosmetologist, I might have been closer to God, <laughs> <laughs> but I wasn't self empowered. You yeah. know, it's it different to be able to have that validation because yeah. you know you're that in other the right hair place. Was in
0: Control of you. You weren't in control of the hair.
2: Yes. Yeah. And more power to the people who love it, do it, and do it well. We need those people. I am not
0: one of them. (laughs) Yeah. Hold on. I'm going to let this kid. you have any last thing to say before I let you out of here?
2: Final last words of a fool. Goodbye. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you for your questions. Diego, I appreciate
0: it. So we'll keep hanging. I will release him at around now. Yeah. Thank you, Chiquito. Mm -hmm. See you later. Bye. Ah, so good.
2: I have too many in there. Nah, you're good.
0: Trust me, he's on playing video games online. (laughs) I'm sure he hides half of it from us. (laughs) He's fine. Okay. But yeah, I'm just like this whole thing is like me having time with him, him learning from people, and yeah. um, Even I was talking to my mom this morning. She's like, always asking me about stuff and. I'm like, I don't even, She's like, you're not even sentimental. I'm like, I was like, have you ever listened to anything on here? Like, I'm pretty sentimental, but I'm not sentimental about physical things because everything's temporary. Yeah. So I am sentimental. I'm very sentimental, but this in a form where I'm trying to like future proof my sentimentalness, mm-hmm. this is going to live online, right? And if he's cool, like he's young, he's nine, if by 12, 13, he's like, dude, I'm done with this. Excuse me. I would have captured five six years of conversation that will live that he doesn't have to remember when he's moving apartments and houses and cities and life changes and you're here and you're there and did i put it in the box and he's like oh it's it's just alive you know yeah hundreds of hours of conversation that he can go back to you know so i can imagine
2: he really won't appreciate this until way later when he's having his own understanding of being a man you know yeah
0: and it's uh And that's what I was going to get to. Like, so when you're in the barbershop, like, I guess I wanted to get to the conversation part. So you're in a cosmetology hybrid spot compared to the barbershop, basically mostly men. How did, did that conversation relax you? Because, like, I guess what was that difference that also helped put you at ease? Or was it just like, hey, I just need to cut this short hair? you know like did any of that factor into you know like you said your dad wasn't around but now you're around all these men
2: oh i see um
0: and then later you're in a a barbershop with typically men that come to get their hair cut um does that even matter Uh,
2: i guess i i guess i never thought of that Uh, to be honest the majority of my friends growing up were men like when i was i what i mean is when i was a teenager i'd run around with a bunch of dudes um I don't know why, I guess I felt like I was, I think I wanted to feel like I had more, just as much ego as they did, it made more sense to hang around with dudes, Mm -hmm. so it was, it was, it was, it kind of made sense later on when I got into the salon, and I really just wanted to cut men's hair, Um, but I wasn't sure why, you know, I just know I did, um, um, I think in the end it became, I just want to cut hair. Like now, I'm like, I just want to cut hair. I don't care if you're a woman, if you're a man, if it's long, if it's short, um, I'll cut it. You know, it's the thing I love doing is cutting hair. But um, I don't, being around all the male clients coming in, it was no thing to me. It was nothing. And honestly, people always like, oh, so you're a barber? That must be so much easier. Oh my God, women are so picky and i was just thinking like mm, no men can be just as picky you know like oh oh you must be uh, must be better because you know working around women in salons women are so bitchy i was like and they're so emotional you know and i was just thinking like actually i've, I've now i've worked in so many barbershops i've been around men that are just as moody and just as bitchy and just as messy actually
3: <laughs>
2: so it's to me it's like mm, I think before I would have had had agreed, but the more the more experience I get, I'm like we're all the same really. It's just different people have it we're all the same men and women very 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 similar very similar <laughs> and it looks funnier on men though because you don't expect it. it does you're not like what is like it just you don't expect it so like I said, people expect certain behaviors from women that are just so like obnoxious and, you know, unbecoming, but men have the same, the same
0: things. You're trying to tell us we're all the same? <laughs> <laughs> we have similar thoughts? How crazy.
2: I know. It is weird. But yeah. Yeah. You'll get some dudes that are real cheese muscles. Like, yeah. <laughs> they really like all that, you know,
0: gossip. Got some crackers with that cheese, man.
2: <laughs> I've never been in, yeah, I've never been in a gossip. But when I became a barber, I suddenly, actually, it's not until I became a barber, in Austin, did I really find out that I love barber cheese, man, <laughs> which is different. It's more like, oh, did you hear that barbershop downtown is, or did you hear that shop is closing? Or did you hear, you know, the shop now charges this much? It's more about industry cheese, man, really. Like, mm-hmm. t- it's really being more about on the up and up of what's happening with barbershops in my mind. So but, what
0: is happening with barbershops?
2: Right now, <laughs> right now barbershops are busy. Actually,
0: um, like I didn't. To be honest, I you know we I live in L.A. for thirteen ish, almost fourteen years, and I've always had a terrible hair situation forever. So it was no, it was just nonsense happening on the top of my head. I don't <laughs> care where I went, it whatever, and eventually it just started fading away. And I was like, kind of like, ah, what a relief! So pumped I can just cut this off because it's always been like. Just a bummer. Just looking at it like, eh. Eh, you got some hair. Okay. Yeah. Didn't care. When I come to Austin, I'm like, oh, well, you know, now I have a son. I'm like, oh, he's got some sweet hair. It's like thick. You can do cool stuff with it. Started looking up. Like, before I looked up, like, whoa, Austin has a bunch of, from pictures, like, oh, we have a bunch of old vintage-ish looking, like there's a lot of barber shops Mm -hmm. versus haircut spots. You know, we have got the, you know, all the other chain ish places but i was like ah let's go to one of these cool places so right on so like you said like here it's it seems like more of a deal like people care about their face hair and their hair and styles and
2: yeah austin's a hip town um in a variety of ways it's not just you know it's it's a cool town you know what i mean There's, you got your skaters, you got your punks, you got your rockers, you got, you know, your hip hoppers, you got the people who just want to be hip. You know, you got, you got so much variety in Austin, but at the end of the day, everybody's just, it's kind of a cool town, you know, in its own way. Everyone has their own style, but it's not one set thing. Right. Yeah. So it's kind of cool that way. I think you'd need a variety of of barbershops here and hair cutting places because there's such a variety of people. And, you know, it's hard to know that from the outside looking in. But, uh, yeah, you definitely have black barbershops here in Austin. Um, and, you know, you have a lot of Latino barbershops. And then you have uh, your white, more white barbershops. Barbershops. I don't know how it came out like that. <laughs> They're from Wisconsin.
0: <laughs> so you're here. So now you're inside this very high-end Taylor suit store, right? I just left there. You just left there? Okay.
2: Yeah. It didn't work out. No? It wasn't busy enough. Well, I mean, there was a number of reasons why it didn't work out, but I mean, if you just, just in, you know, one or two quick sentences, they mm-hmm. were not a barbershop before mm-hmm. the pandemic and they opened a barbershop right in the heart of the pandemic, which was like,
3: mm-hmm. well, we're
2: still kind of in the heart, right? But right. there was, this was like, I think they opened up like September or late August and mm-hmm. And that's still prime time, you yeah. know. I mean, barbershops could open at that time. But, I mean, that's kind of tough to to open for your first time during the pandemic. Right. Um, so there was that. So they didn't have any traffic. Downtown was, at the time, not, not really traffic-y. There was a lot of factors that went into why it's not busy right now for them. And I could make a living there. No. Yeah. Yeah.
0: But so you're where? Which spot now?
2: Right now, I'm in between. When that when that fell through and I made the realization like, what am I doing? I, this isn't working. <laughs> because I was, I, I'm one of those people that really holds on mm-hmm. to make things work. But, well, that depends, I guess. But <laughs> in this situation, I really was trying to make it work because I knew stability is the... It's like the cornerstone of what barbering should be, right? Everyone's told you stay in one spot, stay in one spot, stay in one city, stay in one uh, location, stay in one neighborhood. You know, it's all about just staying stationary. Mm-hmm. You know, um, which is my shortcoming. <laughs> 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 but so when you know when I got in there, I was like, "Stay, Lori, stay, Lori, stay, Lori." Yeah. It was just it, kept, it was on repeat. So I was like yeah. doing everything I could to make it work, but. It became very obvious this isn't working, so I just there was nothing else I can do. We butted heads, disagreed, and I was like, "Boom, I'm out." And yeah. so then I was like, "You know what? I got this trailer over here that I'm trying to sell. You know what? Screw it. I'm going to put an AC in there. I'm going to park it over there in this place with a good with a good price that they're going to give me an ESOS on airport." Oh, cool. Um,
0: because I, I saw you post it, and I was like, I was like, "Oh yeah, the trailer." So you post gonna, what? I thought. Uh, Cause you were going to get rid of it for a while, right? And they changed your mind. Or no.
2: Oh, yeah. Yeah. Up until literally this last week, I had it for sale. I mean, it's on offer up. It's on Facebook marketplace. I mean, it's on my website. <laughs> it's on Instagram. It's everywhere that it says for sale. Come on, people buy it. Yeah. So, but I knew it in my gut that I wasn't going to sell, 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 sell. Yeah. Um, it, I knew it because even though I was pushing for it, I knew it. I just, I really had a feeling that fate was telling me. You open it, fool. That's what it's for. Yeah. But I'm like, no, I'm going to sell it because I need it. I need I need this money more than I need that little No, trailer. we
0: need you in your trailer cutting <laughs> hair.
2: But isn't it crazy? Like, I didn't want to admit that, I, that that was really what it was for and what I built it for and that I should stick to that. I'm like, no, I can change my mind. I can sell I mean, it. What do you think you
0: were afraid of that?
2: <sighs> it wasn't that I was afraid of anything per se. It's just that I, I begin to see it as a liability. Gotcha. I'm like, there it is, sitting on my cousin's property. If, not, if you're not
0: in it, then why have it?
2: Right. And I don't necessarily have the <clears throat> the capital. I ran out of capital to continue to build on it. So I'm right. like, I'm out of capital. So why don't I sell it so I can get some capital? I can always just rent out a brick and mortar space somewhere or stay here at this downtown location that's hella slow. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So I was just in my mind really, like you said, it's not
0: vacant in there. It is so many people live up in there. <laughs> so you're gonna do it. You're gonna throw AC in there.
2: As of this last week, hey, yes, I decided it's time. It's, awesome. it's time. Yeah. So
0: you deserve that. You need to be in there because you need. As I see you, or I think about you, you need your spot where there's there's nobody else. It's just you, because you don't need you don't need the validation from anybody else. You don't need that people watching you and giving you the accolades like yay and cheering you on it feels mm-hmm. like you're so confident in what you do you don't need people around you to validate you and give you that you just need to do the hair and that does it in itself and so by having the trailer you know everybody knows they'll be able to find you you're you're here you're there and, uh, <laughs>
2: yeah that'll
0: be awesome and then you, you know if you want to move to one of those other trailer spots
2: right <laughs> you know, cool
0: thing is it's mobile
2: you're right, though. I mean, with the whole pandemic coming in and me having worked in Rams's old trailer by myself for for that, you know, I think it was like a, uh, from October to like May. So that's about six months I worked in there by myself. And it was just so nice. I was like, it felt like it was mine. People will walk in and be like, is this yours? I'm like, no. But it feels like mine because I'm in charge of the energy in here and i and right. i was using my product so literally it was a toxic free space while i was in there and that was nice so excuse me yeah i have more agency over those things when i work by myself and the more and more that like just as time passes i'm like i can't work with anybody else anymore i have like passed that point <laughs> you know that artist that passed that point they're like yeah. i can no longer go back to doing this thing because i'm like advanced not in a way where I'm like I got it all down and I know everything and there's nothing left to learn but it's just that now it's just like having your own apartment you can't go back to renting out a room you really can't you you want that space
0: you want that agency so now so now to move over so when so good thing you got away from the hair like speaking of the chemicals and if you getting away from all that chemicals dyes perms is, I mean that's a huge, that's a godsend, right? You you pulled yourself away just by wanting to do what you do, but by doing it you got away from all those poisonous chemicals. Mm-hmm. For a, you could have been doing that for your whole career, just touching them, being around them, smelling them, right? Oh yeah. And then now. <laughs> that what, sounds so scary. <laughs> yeah, I mean, touching on them, being around them, and smelling them. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's what that's what you would have been doing if you're coloring hair. <laughs> you're right. But now I guess what. What was the impetus to now create this toxic-free barber supplies? You know the all the, sh- you know, all, all the essentials that you use. I guess why? What made you want to make this toxic-free barber supplies? Um. Okay.
2: So when I was, um, I opened my own business and started renting out a chair with Rams in 2018. Um. And that was a huge learning curve. It was about, but it was great, you know. Um, um, and major, major props to Rams for helping me, you know, understand the to-do list on what I needed to do in order to get that done. And, uh, you know, put some, put some, you know, the legwork to that and got it done. Um, but uh, what was that? So that's 2018, 2019. 2019, I knew there was a problem. I was having symptoms um, that was affecting my work very much. So, so I was like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna figure out how to get tested. What's, what's going on with me? So I did. Uh, it was April of 2019 where I found out that I have uterine fibroids. So it's basically um, tumors. Yeah, I have non-cancerous tumors. That um, not only was draining all my energy, it made me anemic, but pretty much once a month, I just, I really, I couldn't work. I was just that exhausted and there was just no way I could work. My symptoms were just heavy, heavy symptoms, heavy, heavy bleeding, basically. Mm. Um, So I wasn't having a regular cycle that would just only gently interfere with my work. It was too much to... Be around people and so I was taking time off of work well I eventually started to take time because I, I didn't see any way around it so I was started to lose business because I couldn't be there as much but at the same time I also try to hide it because I didn't want because working around Rams is like <laughs> he is a work horse and that is a beautiful thing about him is that he just he's consistent he doesn't stop you know and so like when I also felt like I I didn't know how to tell him, like, I can't be as consistent as you because I got other problems going on. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just, I really tried to hide it. And sometimes I w- I shouldn't be there, but I was there. You know what I'm saying? Because right. Rams was there and I was like, I can't look like I'm just like failing. <laughs> so it was pressure, it was stressful, which also added to the problem because that's that's part of what, what caused him in the first place, besides toxicity being my body being full of toxicity. So stress adds to that toxicity. It mm-hmm. is a toxic. It is a toxin. Stress is. So uh, when I went to the doctor and I found out what was wrong with me, I was like, oh, the light went on. I was
0: like, so did they do a full toxicity panel?
2: No. Um, what they did was an ultrasound and they saw what they said was an almost four inch tumor inside of my Whoa. uterus. And I was like, and They're like, oh yeah, and you're really anemic, and I was like, oh, I just thought I was working really hard, you know, like I yeah. just thought I was like pushing myself because I owned my business, and, and I was, oh, I I'm was so busy, working, so I'm
0: wiped out because of that. Yes, be-
2: yeah. yeah, I didn't understand what was really happening in my body. I just, I mean, I'd never owned a business before, so I didn't have nothing to compare it to. Mm-hmm. So when that happened, it almost just like it was like I had to just like okay, Parker, and I just, and at that time, I was already out of that space. And I had um, rented a chair at Gallery 44. So that's where I was when I found out. And I was like, oh, shoot, man, what am I going to do? So I, I changed everything because there, there, here was my options. So they're like, well, we want you to take our pills for our study because I used a research study to kind of get me the testing I needed. <laughs> oh, okay. And so they're like, we want we want you to try our, you know, trial pills, whatever that is supposed to help with the situation. And I really did give it thought because I'm like, I don't have insurance. I don't want surgery. What am I going to do? Right. And so I really gave it some thought, even though going in, I was like, oh, hell no. But I really just started to wonder, like, how am I going to get rid of this? And then so, but I was like, you know what? I told my cousin about it. He goes, are you going to do it? Because that's everything you're against. And I was like. Oh my God, you're right. What am I thinking? <laughs> he like, he snapped me out of it. I was like, you're right. I don't, I don't want to do this. So I was like, I, I looked up everything online and I was like, just did all my research. And I was like, okay, it looks like I need to change my diet. I need to go vegan. I need to, you know, adjust all these things. Stop drinking out of plastic water bottles. Only drink out of my Yeti. Um, you know, stop using Teflon pans. Only use these cast iron pans to cook um there were so many things Stop drinking coffee uh there were so many things i had to switch and at first i went like raw vegan the first week mm-hmm. oh i was high all week i was like Ooh! i was like floating off the ground because there's just something about eating raw just like Phew. but and i had way a lot of energy i was like whoa what's what, going on what were you
0: eating before the switch
2: oh uh, my regular diet was um chicken and bean tacos (laughs) (laughs) um excuse me Uh, my regular diet was it was tacos you know mexican food I mean I felt like I ate fairly healthy but probably not Uh, pizza (laughs) Uh, you know actually my regular morning was I always had like uh breakfast tacos you know, whether I made them at home, I would make migas at home or I would make, um, you know, scrambled eggs for breakfast. My own, I make my own chile and salsa and I would ha- always have coffee. That was a regular, uh, you know, every day. And so, you know, I would try to have corn tortillas sometimes, but probably end up having flour. Um, so that was that was regular morning. And then by lunch, you know, especially where I was working, there's a taco truck next to me. I would always get like two tacos. And they might be chicken tacos. They might be, you know, probably going to be chicken tacos, you Mm. know, because to me, eating healthier was like, don't eat red meat. Right. So, I mean, I was making so-called healthier choices for a regular healthy body, but uh, they weren't healthy enough. They weren't healthy enough. Yeah. And I would eat, I would eat greens and salads and stuff quite often, but it just wasn't, it wasn't enough.
0: So, and, you, you know, so you move straight to raw to raw vegan.
2: The first week I went raw. The second it's week I was like I think I need like I need to cook something. <laughs> 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 and so uh, I did. You know I ended up uh, going. I think I I think I kind of like. It was at first I went. The, I think I did raw. It just it what it ended up being was vegan. Cause I, I tried like vegetarian, and then I tried raw, and then it ended up just being vegan. But mm-hmm. I also had to switch some things, like you know, flour tortillas are vegan, but I can't have those. I can't have baked goods, you know. And so, um, excuse me, this this soda really did its job. Yeah.
0: Need some? Well, that's your water here. No, I'm good though. You are you? Um,
2: yeah, I'm good with that water. So yeah, my thing was switch all these things about my lifestyle choices and my diet. And right, do you also. Need a
0: pause? You uh, need the bathroom. No. Okay, because <laughs> you, you know. anytime you need to stop, just tell
2: me. Okay, so there was that, and then there was um, one thing that I kept reading about was stress, that mm-hmm. I cannot be in an environment that's stressful, and that I really needed to slow down because, excuse me, um, because that was creating the stress too, um, and that I really didn't have enough energy that I thought I did. I was just pushing myself to have energy because I needed to work because I needed to make money and I needed, I had goals and I had to get to them and I had to do them. And so I was like, so I, I increased the time that I took for each client. As a matter of fact, right. As I slowed down, it's like, I slowed down. Like it started taking me longer to take care of customers because I was suddenly aware of how exhausted I was. So it was a good thing to become aware, but it also was like, I didn't really want to know how tired I was.
0: (laughs) (laughs) You don't want to pay attention to your body.
2: I know. I know. So a lot of things switched and, you know, so my income did lower because I had to, I had to like, I had to slow down. Yeah. If
0: you push yourself, how, what are you going to make of you totally win yourself down?
2: Yeah. And I started drinking a lot of smoothies. I remember that. But, um, yeah. So, but I did all that only to come to work. Start bathing up some hair and then pull out some uh, aerosol, clean my clippers, put mm-hmm. a bunch of fragrance on people. You know, the, all the stuff that I was using at my station at the barbershop was pretty toxic. And I was like, oh.
0: But it's t- it's the typical things that you would use in a barbershop.
2: It is nothing you would not see anywhere. I used all the usual suspects.
0: So what did you just all of a sudden... Like it hit you one day, like what you're spraying, rubbing, touching, or did you do it and then you feel the reaction no. because your diet was cleaner? Like did you were more sensitive to like, oh, what else am I contaminating myself with?
2: Yeah, that would have been interesting, huh? But no, if I would have like felt it, no, I didn't. I didn't. Um, it's just uh, that I was aware suddenly that I was supposed to detoxify my life,
3: mm-hmm.
2: and so I was looking at everything around me, like you know, look, oh, oh, you know, this shampoo am i using does it have fragrance in it. Or this soap that does it, you know, I just started to look at everything differently, and that happened almost instantly when I went to work. I was like, oh, what's in this? And I'd read it, and I was like, oh, and I was, what's in this? And I was like, oh man, like. And it dawned on me that when I was working with Rams, I was like, oh, we had, there was a spray gel, a mm-hmm. shaving gel that we had, um, that someone gave him that we both thought was super cool. And we're like, oh, that's neat. Cause you don't have to pump it and spread it. You can just spray it and then go on and do that. And we just thought it was neat. And we both liked the way it worked. <laughs> Excuse me. And I read the, I read the bottle and it was like really like three major ingredients. And I was like, oh, I can make this. And then I was like, ah, but I didn't want to cause I was too busy. <laughs> one thing I did try to make to save me money really was my own aftershave and um, that didn't work out too well Uh, I remember I sprayed it on somebody and Ram goes it smells like a botanica in here (laughs) (laughs) and I was like oh I guess I I put way too much palo santo in it and that's all I put in it (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so I did try a few times to make my own product there because I was suddenly buying all my products and I was like, this is expensive. I bet I could make this like, and it smelled better or whatever. And then I also had a customer cause I had a lot of female customers too, that got short hair that I would put on the, you know, I'm trying not to name brand names here, but the usual suspect of, okay. of aftershave. And, you know, it smelled like whiskey or whatever, like manly, manly s- smell. And I put it on and I was like, I was like, all right, you're all set. How do you like that smell? This is like the new scent from so and so, and they're like, sorry. Like <laughs> I was like, oh, like thinking like, oh, you see, in my, I think I just bought into all the barbershop smell stuff, and Gosh, this is yeah. just how they smell. And there's some you like and some you don't like, right? So it was just you're just like I said, I wanted to be as good at the same level as the barbers around me. Mm-hmm. So to do that. You really want to? There's there's a standard. You, you know? want to
0: use what the high end people use, and
2: right or you want to use what's effective, but that you know is trusted by barbers, aka accepted. Mm-hmm. And never in any way did that ever feel like I was doing myself a disservice because there were so many to choose from. I was like, I know I like that one, that one, that one, and that one. Right. And so I would get them. These are the standards, you know, the standard things barbers would use. So when I saw that. In my shop, like, uh, I was like, I'm doing all this work to be toxic-free. I'm like, uh, um, I got to make my own. So that's when I started, and that was what comes after April, May.
0: So what? So when you started removing toxins from your house, like toothpastes, shampoos, conditioners, hairspray, like, uh, laundry soap, what, did you just start combing through your whole house, removing products one by one? Yeah. And then... Then now you're feeling better, and then I guess how how did it evolve to those? Whereas like you know it's like hey I need to remove all toxins everywhere, including where I'm at, right? Before you're getting into like oh I think I can make this myself without being poisonous.
2: Well, that was that was simultaneous. That was like that's as well, I was still time. in my first week of trying this new diet out, I was going to work. Like it happened pretty fast. Wow, that's, that's so I went quick. to work and I was like oh. Uh, what you know? That's when it dawned on me, like that everything I was using because I had, you know, the toothpaste I always was always using a, a really good toothpaste. There's some things that I was already on point with, mm-hmm. but there were some things like that I knew but didn't think it was going to have any adverse effect on me for real, for real. Like I knew you're not supposed to use Teflon pans,
0: but it's in there and I gotta make breakfast. So what? You know? What's crazy? I didn't even know. I didn't even know that till we're talking maybe two years ago. That I was like, oh, we, we I, uh, there's a uh, there's a movie called I think it's called Dark Waters.
2: That's a great movie,
0: right? So that goes into it where it's still going on. I'm like, oh yeah, because we had one, uh, we had one non Teflon pan that I bought on purpose. Like, oh, we shouldn't have that. Like, oh no, <clears throat> all our pans are now, you know, ceramic or non non Teflon. And yeah. I didn't know, you know, your whole life you're just buying whatever. Oh, hey, get the nonstick. It's cool. Then you watch that movie. I'm like, oh, we had one pan. I was like, oh, now we're we're having none of those pans. Yeah. Right. And then and then you go. You're reading like, oh, what else is the you know PFO, PFOA is the main thing that's in Teflon that mm-hmm. is the endocrine disruptor, the neurological poison, endocrine right? Disruptor and disruptor. Then then we're like, oh, it's in. It's most prevalent in Teflon pans and microwave popcorn. And we're watching this movie, eating. Popped popcorn from a bag and I was like, but you don't know, you don't know these things until you're living it and find out unless you're doing some homework or watching something or, and all these little pieces as we're trying to stitch together a healthier journey in our life and our kids' lives. And I was like, okay, I guess that's, I'm done with microwave popcorn. If I paid for all these pans, why am I going to eat this popcorn? So now we pop kernels in a pan with organic, um, Corn. Co- coconut oil. Oh, okay. Organic coconut oil flavored with keratin from carrots. And it's <laughs> organic kernels of corn. Uh-huh. And like, yeah, now I, I, in my pot that's non-Teflon, now I can feel like I can, yeah, I can not poison you, child. You know, there's another way I'm avoiding without knowing you just go with the status quo. You're like, that's just what you do. Like you said, you're in the products. You're like, I'm going to get these products because this is what barbers use. And for me yeah. to be- Head of the line or be on top. I need to be on point with that. Yeah. So I steered you away from that. But back to you. So now you're going to make product as a barber that's non-toxic.
2: I did one at a time. So I left all my products up there. But first things first, <clears throat> I was like, well, the first things first, I you know, the shave gel. Because I remember trying to make it when I was in, in the mobile shop, uh, the mobile trailer with Rams. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, I remember it was three ingredients. So I was like, you know. I'm going to try that. So I tried that first, and I started using that in the shop. And I took my popular mm-hmm. <laughs> shave gel and put it under the cabinet. And I was like, mm-hmm. I'm going to use this and see how it goes. Right. So I started testing it out on, on clients immediately. And they're like, oh, that, that smells good. I was like, oh, good. And so, you know, after maybe the whole service, I'd be like, I made that. <laughs> like, oh, okay. And so um, once I got one, then I was like, okay shave, And so then I'd made that one, um, you know, and it would take some time because I'd have to order what I needed or, you know, I wasn't actually doing that. I would just, I was like in a hurry. So I was like, if I needed a product, I just go to Sprouts or wherever, local little, you know, natural place and get mm. what I needed.
0: Get the ingredients so, right. from there.
2: So I wasn't buying in bulk. You know, I wasn't trying to save money. I was just trying to switch. Because
0: you're still experimenting.
2: Right. Okay. Right. I was just trying to switch my circumstance. Um and so, you know, one came after the other. Okay, I got this aftershave now. And then I was like, okay, powder, this, oh, this thing, this is full of talc. I was like, oh my God, I can't use that. So did my research and so I made some powder, threw a little fragrance in there and not fragrance, uh, essential oils. And, you know, I had to get like a container and order one, you know, so everything took time for me to do, but I was on it and I was about it. And I really needed to have my whole setup be as non-toxic as possible.
0: So can you tell me which, do you know which ingredients do what to your body? For example, you said talc, which is super common. Yeah. What does that specifically do
2: to Um, your body?
0: Or what's in it? Do you know like which ones like, hey, like you posted on your Instagram like here here's the here's the main offenders. Yeah. You know, like I do. You're, you're removing those. For example, we talked about that movie stink. Oh how, yeah. You know, No, was, we
2: didn't talk about that. No, but I my,
0: was gonna mention it. My wife it. my wife was having headaches all the time. Like I said, we've switched the to toothpaste, the to laundry detergent, the this, the that. The foods, for sure, the foods. Okay, now it's down to uh thinking about painting the house. What would we put in that doesn't off gas? You're like trying to take everything that took uh into mine she kept having these headaches i'm like are you drinking enough water did you get enough sleep those are usually the two first ones which Mm -hmm. is crazy yeah it's like oh i should take these crazy pills no you should go to bed drink some water yeah and nine times out of ten like that'll do a big percentage of it she kept having headaches i'm like then we watched the movie stink Mm -hmm. and they're talking about the fragrance Fragrance. and all these products and then it hit us we're like We've switched everything except our household cleaners, which get cleaned by the maid in heavy amounts every oh, two weeks.
2: And bless their hearts, they use a lot and of it because they man, want it to it smell good. it smelled like, a,
0: what's, Oof, that, what's that Mexican one? Fabuloso! Mom, fabuloso! Maid, come home, you smell that, smell that fabuloso, <laughs> like, ah! Yes! Mm, smells so good, like breathing it in extra heavy, like, And you know things ah, are clean. You know it's clean. So then we realize. Oh, these are, we flipped the ingredients like we did on food, uh, all the cleaners. I'm like, uh, oh, all these gotta go. So yeah. when, when we threw all of them out of the house. Yeah. Looked up, bought all the brands without fragrance, without the other bad chemicals. And then the maids came in. I'm like, okay, here's the experiment. They're gonna do their thing with all the products we give them. Yeah. No more headaches. Wow. So, instant. It's like, that was it. Wow. Her. I mean, it was constant. It was like I was like, maybe you should not drink coffee for a few days. That's it could be a headache, thing. and that'll give you a
2: headache. You know? Actually, and
0: then if you drink, like if you <laughs> drink it, sometimes you're feening for caffeine, so then you get a headache if you don't have it. Mm-hmm. So we did those experiments, but until we got uh, less coffee intake plus get rid of the cleaners, headaches went right away. So that like you said, like you don't put any those fra- hidden things that are in fragrances, which it could be a combination of chemicals. That they just label as fragrance, which it could have dozens of chemicals that they don't even have to tell you what it is, right? Because it's too much. I forget how the loophole is where they don't have to write down it. Just it can just say fragrance, and it can be any cocktail of chemicals they want. Mm-hmm. And it could, it's in almost everything unless you intentionally avoid it.
2: Fragrance, yeah, fragrance is a uh, a front. That one word is a front for. Don't have to tell you nothing.
0: Yeah, it's crazy.
2: And it's all in the name of trade secrets. But what it does is it really helps these companies um, not divulge what they're putting in it. Because somebody's going to want their good juju of a scent, apparently. But also, too, whenever people have uh, reactions and they call the company, what's in this? They don't have to tell you all the things that embody that word fragrance, because one of the things that is amongst those fragrances can definitely come up if they told you, if they told you and you can be like, Oh, well I'm allergic to whatever, yeah. you know, some crazy word. <laughs> I'm like
0: allergic to those 97 consonants.
2: Right. Exactly. With an <laughs> X and a Y and yeah. a P and an H. It's just like, but it's all it is is a code word for don't have to tell you. Yeah. And also chemical. That's it. And so anything that has that word fragrance in it, unless the company's using it in the wrong way, because some people just put fragrance, essential oils. You're like, well, then that's not fragrance. It has essential oils. Because there are essential oils that are synthetic, though. So you have to be careful make sure you get the ones that are actually from plants.
0: Yeah, that's so, there's another doc that came out specifically about that. Like the whole essential oil hustle now is crazy. Uh-huh. It's like honey looking at where's all, or, or, uh, chocolate chocolate where's all this chocolate coming from how do you get chocolate flavor everything where's all the chocolate and you say honey so they prove like you know honey no not 80 percent of it's synthetic um, right it's not real honey there's mm. not there's not that many bees making that real honey so wow honey where you get honey flavored almost everything
2: yeah flavor is another word it's just another like, like fragrance yeah so
0: i'm like oh that's not yeah honey
2: so is natural because it's usually natural flavors. They'll say natural flavors. Right.
3: What does that mean?
2: So you like you made yeah. It's it's crazy. <laughs> and here's the crazy part: is the more you learn, the more you realize you have to stand guard when you go to the grocery store when you buy products because the companies aren't going to protect you. They're not there to protect you. They're there to get your dollars. So you really, you know, like of all, uh, you know, we have to be careful with these folks in our life and these people in our lives because, you know, oh, they're talking bad about us or, oh, they, you know, you know well, who all the people out there that are want to do you harm, so to say. And also, too, it's the people who want your money, that you think you want their product. Like you have, like, where is there a safe place? So to me, the safe place was I'll create them because I know what's in them. Right. Um, and I, that's all I really wanted. I just wanted, you know, So you you're
0: just trying to have your, cause you're going to cut hair Yeah. and you want to not be exposed to crazy chemicals. So you're making right. from scratch. Right. All your products.
2: Right. And I mean, I did a lot of things wrong at first, um, but that was the whole learning process. And to me, my client was a beneficiary. I'm doing this for me, for my health. Cause I already found out I'm sick and you're the beneficiary because now, you know, I'm not going to put toxicity on you. But really, the I'm the main, I'm the main cause, um, you know, and it it, it I'll you know, you're the benefi- I think that's what you call it, yeah, right, absolutely. the beneficiary. And so what's,
0: and what's beautiful about it is you're gonna have your trailer, which inside was gonna be this toxic free zone,
2: right? Where, you
0: know, you're in a safe space for yourself, but also, like I said, the customer is gonna be able to go get their hair cut and not worry that they're smelling and bring if they're conscious about that, which more people are paying attention, but. That's the first time, you know, I couldn't win. Once you told me you were making your product and then it was in between when you ran out and then I ran out and I was like, well, I need something. But then now I have to like do a bunch of homework to find. (laughs) Yeah. Can I find another one to to hold me over until you make your next batch? Mm -hmm. And then, man, I had to do some crazy Googling and order from some one spot in the Northeast. Excuse me. And, you know, and they still had more things than your products. But it was the only one I could find, with not all those other things.
2: Wow! And so
0: there's there's a few, but you know, you making it here locally is awesome. Like, don't you feel like it's gotta feel good? You know, you're making something that not only you use, but you and they benefit.
2: It does feel good. Um, It feels great, Um, and just even the way I have my trout, my kit when I do home um, home visits um which i now call barber services delivered
0: (laughs) (laughs) that's a B B S D,
2: right (laughs) um i realized you know because like okay so moving back i did a lot of mistakes with these products like one of the very first mistakes i made was putting um aloe like aloe jelly i guess it's called aloe vera they're like they're like it's the the petals, you know. It's like aloe pieces. It's as natural as you can get. You can drink this stuff. Okay. But that's one of the mistakes I made is I got the drinkable kind, and that you need to keep in the refrigerator, and that will go bad. Oh. Like one day Spoiled. I sprayed it. Yeah, one day I sprayed it on my brother. He goes, that smells different than before. I go. He goes, did you change anything? I go, no, same thing. And I kept going and I kept braising them, and then I was like, in the middle, I was like. <sighs> like i dawned on me i was like did this go bad and so i had to re- do my research again and i realized like yeah because you're supposed to keep it in the refrigerator because this is a drinkable kind of aloe
0: <laughs> i was like oh my god
2: <laughs> so um i that's when i had to do more research aloe has been the hardest thing to research not the hardest thing but the thing that needed almost the most research because mm. you really need to make sure to get topical aloe but there's a lot of toxic to- uh, topical aloe out there. They'll put coloring in it. Like aloe shouldn't be bright green, right? Um, they'll put coloring in it. They'll also put like, uh, thickeners in it and preservative in it that you don't want on your skin. So you, I mean, there's a lot of aloe out there, but there's a lot of, there's very few aloe topically that you want on your skin if you want it to be toxic free. So I, I found that very amazing. I'm like, why would they ruin so much good aloe? <laughs> There's all this aloe in the world. Because everybody and they're ruining thinks it.
0: you're just. It, yeah, I saw a picture of the aloe on the package, so to me, it feels like I'm t- the plant is now touching me because I yes. see that cool, pretty, pretty picture, uh-huh. and I put it on me like, ah, this is the plant. Uh huh. It's yeah, not.
2: Nah. Yeah, and you can't do that either. You can't. You can't just take exactly what's on the plant, scoop it out, and throw it in a bottle and see. I got aloe, unless Here? you're going to keep it in the refrigerator. Ah, yeah. Yeah, because it spoils. So I'm like, oh, now I... Do. So I learned the value of preservatives. Because before, okay. everyone's like, no preservatives. No. It's like, no, actually, preservatives are great. You just want to choose which one... Carefully. Carefully, yeah. Because not all preservatives so are So what good preservative for you. do you use? Preservative? <laughs> well... Without
0: giving away your trade secrets. If you can't say it, you don't have to say it. Um, but you just know it's natural.
2: Here's what I'll say. Because I don't want to give too much of my secret away. Yeah, I don't want to give you recipe away. I avoid away. using products that require to be preserved. That's what I do. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, because I'll tell you, one of the main products, well, I'm just going to tell you then, but you know, one of the main things that needs to be preserved or to put something in it so it doesn't grow mold is the one thing that creates all life. And where all life grows. Any any thoughts on that? Some bacteria. Yeah, bacteria grow in that. Water is life, baby. Oh, yeah. Yes. Any product that you put water in will suddenly need things in it to make sure that water doesn't... I mean, that things do not grow. It doesn't grow a farm. (laughs) 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 Yeah, so I avoid putting water in any of my products... I will find something else liquidy. Okay. Yeah. If I want to liquefy my product. Yeah. Cuz so I, I avoid what I don't know very much. Yeah. Until I learn more about that, I am not going to make a water-based product. You will not see me with a water-based product. Cuz I'm still very new at the science.
0: So if you had to send anything to get tested? Or no,
2: like but that? that is my like I, that is my huge major goal. Um Madesafe.org is an amazing company that I want to certify my products. It is extremely expensive. I think it's something like four thousand dollars per product, product load. Yes. So am I am, am I aiming for that? Absolutely. That's what yeah. I want. I want their certification if that's what, yeah, their seal of seal appro- of approval. Approval, thank you. Yeah. I want their seal of approval on my products um because uh, they have been a leading source for me and I appreciate what they do they make they're like they're like we're doing what these big companies won't do and we've cre- we've we have scientists on our team and people who work in these labs and they test mm-hmm. everything and that way we want to know what we're putting on our bodies so we you go through us and we'll certify your product 7th generation just got certified with them i think earlier this year or the beginning of last year and 7th generation has been a leading um Earth-friendly, user-friendly product for, I don't know, more than a decade, like 15, 20 years. And they just got on there. Yes. Well, but Made Safe is a new company. So they were doing their utmost to have a safe product. Mm -hmm. Um, The more that comes out, the more that, you know, now that you have these like independent like uh, toxicity companies that help you like test your product, the better because- Um, you know you can't trust what the government is going to back because the FDA is about as crooked as yeah crooked gets right and crooked as my front tooth. So what I'm saying is is like I don't care if FDA ever approves any of my products. Yeah. I want madesafe.org. Well, you'll um, get
3: there.
2: Yeah, and I also am aiming to be a B corporation. So I have a lot of work to do in front of me and that's going to require a lot of capital. So that's you know one thing that I'm aiming at and I have in my mindsets and I definitely want to partner with somebody or an well, investor can, or something I like that. I tell you
0: this. You're going to do fine and you're going to make it and specifically because you care about what you're making. You care about the people and we all are trying to be healthier. And on top of that, I'll get you in touch with someone who's already making and selling product, but mm-hmm. for, um, female hair products. Mm-hmm. And I'll get you in touch with that person who will be able to help you with all those things you just said because they're mm-hmm. already doing it for that. And once he finds out and listens to this about why you're doing it and mm-hmm. what it is, he'll, you know, he'll, he'll be able to take care of you and at least, you know, lead, you know get you to that next step for sure. Wonderful. He's already in it. Yeah. And I'm, I don't know if, those other products are as toxic-free as yours. I'm not sure. Yeah. But I know that he's doing it.
2: I'm making my products. By the way, thank you for that. Yeah. Because, you know, I, I realize I can't do it on my own. I just know right. what my goals are, and I've done my research. I met a, a, not met, but like via online, we did like a Zoom meeting, <laughs> right? <laughs> that's, um, what that's what we do That's what we do. So I found uh, a female badass Um, lawyer who Mm. does like trademarking and stuff and so I you know I have to go through all those um, avenues you know I need my my product trademarked and then you know all this stuff that I have to do Um, not really what I was had in mind when I was doing this product all I want to do is take care of myself Um, it was actually a customer at Gallery 44 who was just Extremely intelligent and talkable. Talkable is that the word? What's the word? I'll take it. Talkable. boy
0: <laughs> <laughs> <roll> Yeah, <with> <laughs> uh, another one is you know chatty.
2: <laughs> I think he, I don't know what I was trying to say, but he was easy to talk to. There you go. And, uh, and we talked every time he came in, and I had the barber that worked next to me because he was there the most. And cared the most. His work was impeccable, and I could see he just he put his heart and soul into it. And I'd be like, "Yo, um, check out this product." So I would hand him my products all the time mm-hmm. to also check he out. Some feedback. Right. So he was he was kind of like, um, a, you know, a source for me because mm-hmm. I was liking it. But you're doing something different. You try it. Do you like it? And mm-hmm. so he liked it too. And one of his customers was like, "You know, have you ever thought about selling your product?" I was like. Not really. I was just like, it's like, that's where it's at. I was like, I had a moment. And I was thinking in my head, I was like, you know, I really don't need to get rich off this. But if I think about it, I couldn't find any product that was toxic free. And I'm a barber. That means other barbers are going to have the same problem as me. Mm-hmm. I would do it to sell it to barbers. Yeah. So that they can have something. You know, so that's where that started. Because it really didn't dawn on me that way. I just just trying to take care of myself. Yeah. So that's why I call it Barber Essentials because my real goal is to get it in the hands of barbers. But I do realize that I will have some kind of like, like right now, like I don't really get any barbers interested in it. You know what I mean? And I think that it could be that way for a while. Most people that are interested in it are my clients or people out you know not barbers some barbers will comment and be like oh wow cool snap you know whatever Mm -hmm. but um, I think they'll be the harder ones to to like to move on that um, because we're kind of stuck in our ways as barbers you know Um, I don't know I really don't know why I wouldn't have changed if I didn't have a reason to I was still on the
0: you would have still been using it
2: yeah I was still on the usual suspect train you know it's just yeah I'd still be using it today I would have had no reason to look up everything. Well, I think
0: I think it'll be like anything else that goes toxic free or healthier. It's outside in. It's yeah. not gonna be. It's not gonna be the barbers buying it. It's gonna be all the customers saying, "Do you have this product?" Because, hey, I'm sensitive and I do all this effort at home. Can you use the safe products here? Yeah. And then that will be the push for them to say, "Oh well, yeah, actually, we do." Or we don't, and they're gonna be like, oh, maybe we should get it because people are asking for it. Yeah, you know, and that'll be the shift because if it doesn't exist, people can't ask for it. So you're absolutely right. Both ways. So it's you know
2: that was my other tactic too was to teach enough clients about it, um, and people who are clients of other people, you know, just the public basically, um, that they start asking their barbers, "Hey, do you have something that's toxic free?" You know, just because now they know,
3: Mm -hmm. because
2: you know, barbers might just be up all in that fade and in that you know they're doing their work and they're just there they're not really you know considering that so yeah the other thing is is that's when that's when things shift too is what are your clients asking for and can you provide
0: it that's cool well i what's awesome about it is you know we take great strides here at home and i was i was thinking i was shaving with some sort of like coconut oil only soap gel that I could get with no toxins, this and that. It's all right. I'm like, whatever. I'll use it. You know, we I use defense soap, which is basically tea tree oil and something else. You know, so I'm washing my body, I'm conscious of all that, but I couldn't find so now I have your product. So I'm happy like, oh I can fit that other piece and put something on my face I'm not worried about. Yeah. That I'm you know, it's like I'm putting a whole bunch of it on and it smells awesome but I I'm like oh I'm like completing my toxic free life here. <laughs> like yeah. but you it's like one you can't just go one fell move and be like, "Oh, just just throw everything away and buy it all again." So it's like one thing at a time. Yeah. So, it, I it's overwhelming. That. Yeah. It's like, so if you think of everything at once, it's too much. But just break it down, one thing at a time. Yeah. So, how many how many products do you have? Now you have the shave gel, you have the the disinfectant.
2: Yeah. Now, have- what is,
0: what is all the ones you have?
2: The, sh- the, I have the shave gel and it's more of a, a spray shave gel. I'm really coming to find out like it works best. The, the consistency of it works best in the pump. So I'm going to give you for those spray, uh, for those gels, shave gels, I'm going to give you a pump that like lotion, like one uh-huh. of those pumps and then a spray pump that you, you know, you push down like that Okay. Uh, the spray pump. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. But it works. That consistency technically works better in the spray. Okay. Because it's too loose in the lotion pump. But you can use either. It's really preference. But anyways, I have a spray gel. Oh, wait. Don't say spray gel. I have a shave
0: gel. You have a shave gel. I have a shave gel. You leave it up to me to decide if I want to use the (laughs) pump or the spray. That's right. (laughs) Back
2: after these messages with the answer. (laughs) Yeah. Really, that's why I will give you two. So you you will decide. Yeah. Um, A shave gel. An aftershave, a uh, hair and skin butter, um, a dust, um, and a clipper disinfectant spray.
0: So those are the main things you use when you're cutting hair. Disinfecting the clippers, mm-hmm. the dust is like after like the powder. like. Yes, it's what you on. would
2: put on a duster to kind of dust all the hair off the neck. Stuff like that, yeah. It's talc-free. So um, I just, I was really trying to save space on a, on a two-ounce bottle and dust was about as small a ward as I can get. <laughs> <laughs> so people were like, dust. Like, what do you do with that? Like, is it a hair dust? Can you, like, use it in your hair as a dry shampoo? What kind of a dust is it? So, I mean, I did have some people trying it out in different ways. But um, it's really So now that use. you've
0: been using that for a while, do you feel, do you notice you feel better? Does, does your energy come back? Has all my efforts work, is what you're saying. Yeah, has all this energy come back? Are you doing all right? Well. What big difference have you noticed?
2: My products make me very, very happy. And like the smell of them, all of them are put in there for a reason. They literally make me happy and they figuratively make me happy. Yeah. Has all of my efforts cured me? I don't think so. As a matter of fact, I just had... Okay, so I told you in um, April 2019, I had... What's it called? An ultrasound. mm mm-hmm. um, Where they were able to see the, the giant insane oh i just got comfortable so they were able to like tell me about my tumor a fibroid but it is a tumor anyways so time passed i did all this stuff to try to get right with my body and the toxicity and all this stuff and um i i could tell that i was like had less symptoms Mm -hmm. um and I can tell when my symptoms would decrease, and I'd be like, okay, take this out of my day or do, you know, whatever. So I've been playing with it for like over a year now because now, what is it? Uh, November. So that's a little over a year. Um, it's my si-
0: recent to make body changes. Yeah,
2: yeah, it is. If you think about it, I thought I was going to cure
0: myself in one month. Yeah. Everybody thinks it's 10 hours.
2: <laughs> yeah. We really want the pill. We yeah. want the, we want the fast pill. Hurry up. I got things to do. Yeah. So, and believe me, I wanted that, but I just... I wanted to be in control and in, in, in charge. I want an agency. I don't want people to cut me open. Who knows what they're going to do? They're going to sneeze inside me. Who knows? I don't know. Yeah. You know, <laughs> connect the wrong tube to the wrong part. <laughs> I don't know. You've I've heard stories. But anyways, my distrust goes a long way, huh? But so now here we are over a year later in 2020. It's November. No, I'm not cured. I'm not cured and I know it. You know what I mean? And um, I, mean, I can I feel, still right, feel, I feel the hard rock. Better. Yeah, I mean, oh my God, like I started feeling better instantly because I didn't, okay, I didn't know I was that chubby, <laughs> but my customers let me know after I started dropping weight. They were like, oh, you lost weight, and I was like, uh, yeah, actually I did, like, I would think about it, like, actually, yeah, and I, I had different comments, I had one lady tell me, she's like, oh, because you were like, she had her hands out like oh, this, man. you were like, oh, you were like big, and I was like, oh, really? <laughs>
0: thank you for
2: being so (laughs) i appreciate your honesty but damn so yeah i did drop a lot of excess uh, weight apparently um so i instantly felt better Uh, my energy is better than it was before um there's there's things that are better but um can i still feel this hard rock in my stomach yeah. Like I like I literally have lost as much weight as I can in my stomach area. But mm-hmm. I still have like this pocket, you know, where there exists this tumor. It's
0: crazy. So is by diet you think you can have your body start to slow slowly break it down? No. Or do you think it's gonna need to get removed?
2: Um excuse me. Yeah. I, I came to terms with it because I was I was tired of all my efforts. And I was like, you know what? It's not enough. And I was about... um, I think it was like September or something. Maybe. Somewhere in September. I was like, okay. I'm ready. I'm going to get the surgery. Yeah. And I told my tia. And um, so... All of a sudden, we have like these family events for my brothers, like making barbecues, selling plates. You got people bringing money in for me. It was amazing. My family was like all riled together. they, they we got all together three weekends in a row. Um, and you know, they all passed me some medical money for my medical bills that I don't have yet. I was like, "Wait, I haven't even gone to the doctor. <laughs> <laughs> you know. <laughs> But, you know, they really just, it was amazing to see how much they cared about me. Like That's So beautiful. everyone's like, so when is the surgery? Yeah. And when is, uh, you I'm like, I, I haven't even gone to the doctor yet. Like, <laughs> so they have that happened before I could do that. Because everything takes time. You call them and they're like, oh, you got to come and fill out all this paperwork. Oh, yeah. And it's going to take time. And So it's all bureaucratic. So by this point now, where I'm at now, I've had the doctor's visit. The insurance went through um uh, i got my ultrasound and now i'm waiting on the results but i already know from being in the ultrasound i was like can you tell me a little bit they're like oh we really can't tell you anything but then i was like so they started to ask me they're like uh, during the ultrasound they're like so how did you know that you had fibroids and i was like well and i told them you know i had gotten tested at this research thing mm-hmm. um and i told them they told me it was like a four inch fibroid and they're like okay well so they finally turned the screen so i could look at it cause mm-hmm. otherwise they're so secretive i'm like this is my right. body fool yeah. <gasps> you know like st- no wonder i hate them no <laughs> <laughs>
0: just, just turn it around with the whole with the, you're showing me right suspense. now
2: yeah Stuff like why would you even around. like hide somebody's yeah. you know anyways and they're like yeah there's several here and they're like it looks like they're all like hanging out like right under my navel, just like s- several. So I'm like, I haven't got the results yet. And I could see like faint spots of what they were talking about. And I, I'm just laying there. I can feel like there's an alien inside of me. It's got to come out. <laughs> and so they couldn't tell me more. I'm waiting for the results. I should have had them already. I keep calling, but um, I don't know. I don't know what they're going to tell me. Or they didn't tell me yet. Because they don't know if it used to, what it used to be a year and a half ago. That, that's some other doctor some right. other place so I'm like I'm wondering I'm like did they break up and like become like five now and they're like hanging out or what's going on I don't know I have right. no idea but from that they're gonna tell me what they found and then they're gonna tell me my options gotcha and then from there I'm gonna be like well this Let's is what i'm handle doing. It. I just know this I'm I'm keeping my um, what do you call that reproductive organ your,
0: uterus your uterus you're gonna keep
2: that <laughs> I'm keeping it yeah because there's complications when you take out an entire reproductive system.
0: Yeah, that's, I, it sounds crazy when I hear that. Yeah. You know, uh, they were, so, you know, we almost didn't have kids. Um, because uh, back in the day, you know, let's, you know, my wife found out the PCOS. They're like, oh, you go to a doctor and they say, yeah, we're just going to freeze your uterus. Just I'm like, what do you mean freeze it? That's What's first PCOS? Time- it's a polycystic ovarian syndrome. Oh, that's kind of similar. Common. It's very common. And there's uh, doc- there's ways to take care of it and manage it. And usually it's, you know, with insulin resistance, you know, kind of just keep inflammation down for the most part, stay away from sugar and carbs. But it's super common. And a lot of people and a lot of people don't know they have it. But anyways, at, then doctors like, oh, you can't do anything about it. It's going to affect your 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 periods and it's also going to, you know, you can't have kids. We, to stop the problem, you should just freeze it. And I'm like, that sounds like a barbarian going, like, it just sounds barbaric to me. And I was like, we're not doing any of that. We're going to, we're going to go get as many opinions as possible. Mm-hmm. So she went and I was like, let's just go to the, we're in LA at the time. I was like, just, let's go to the biggest hospital here. Right. So they went to Cedar Sinai. She's like, she's scared, you know, nervous and snap. So and she goes and she come back so happy. She's like, they have a, a wing, a department dedicated to it. They're like, you're not doing any, we're not freezing anything. You change your diet and you can slowly regain health in your body. Oh systems. my goodness. And that's when we found out about, this is like 12, I don't know, years ago. We hear the word gluten for the first time. <gasps> They're like, what? You should avoid this. We're like, what is that like i even made coffee mugs and a hoodie a <laughs> hoodie that said you know punk ass gluten and had it x'd out and like we're gonna find this guy oh that's so cool here. she got healthier feeling better and we're like oh we should like we don't want paint we're young you know Just yeah not painters anything she got really healthy and got better and then pregnant and the doctor literally said like the other two doctors are like oh you'll never be pregnant so freeze it and like Oh Dude, we have, hour, have this baby you show up be like, Look, like this is what I hold my did baby I know and then, then we have another kid and it's like if you don't ask and you don't know it's how, you know that was the first hospital place to be like oh you should watch what you eat
2: that is so unheard
0: of it, it is it is and they're there it's an awesome place they're ahead of their time like yeah that. it's awesome yeah and you know so by you shifting your your diet and everything, it's mm-hmm. a big part of it. But things take time. It's like you said, it doesn't Yeah. It doesn't just happen like you said with a magic pill and you're like, Oh yeah. <laughs> Boom. But um Badam- yeah. we have two beautiful kids because of a diet shift. Wow. Otherwise it would have been fro- I don't know what like, what do you do with the freeze ray? What are you doing in there? I don't they would have frozen it literally right That with will nitrous, be one of the things they nitrous, tell me about and then they just extract stuff. And sometimes, and obviously sometimes they need to, there's no way around it. Right. But if diet plays any role in it, it's always worth asking. Yeah. You know?
2: Yeah. Yeah. Like your body might've been
0: breaking down, breaking it down into smaller pieces and dealing with it slowly and you might still have to get some stuff out. But, you know, if it was huge before and now it's smaller or smaller and more pieces, maybe your body's doing that. I don't
2: know. I don't know. know. I don't know. But I do know there's still a problem, yeah, yeah, and I'm still very anemic, so I've had some some uh you know some small wins, you know, as far as side effects, but and like I said, I've dropped weight, mm-hmm. you know things that are good that came out of the whole that came out of the whole deal, but in total, I'm not there yet, like that's why I'm like, okay, I'm ready, yeah. Because I'm, I'm tired. Like, I'm tired of being tired. Like, yeah. the, the anemia is really <laughs> exhausting. Yeah, like, I don't even think if you noticed or not, but I went down to go get my backpack, and I came up here, and I put my backpack right here, and I sat down, and I was winded. Yeah.
0: So what do you do? What do you normally do for it? Just rest? I fly
2: down you and fly get and my float? backpack. <laughs> not walk the stairs. <laughs> uh, what do I... Oh, we'll I see. Guess,
0: yeah, what do you do for anemia? guess
2: liquid iron okay but um i got tired of taking the liquid iron too and then sometimes they'll constipate you sometimes they won't but um, i really just waiting to fly on my own you know what i mean and uh like if you take iron pills you'll be constipated forever So liquid iron is like the better move, but it's, you know, I could never find the same exact one. So I'd have to switch to this one, this one, because for some reason, I guess a lot of people have anemia, actually. That's something I found out is a lot of women have anemia. And uh, so I guess they have problems keeping it in stock. So they were all similar, but this one maybe would constipate me and I would, I feel too full and this one might work or that. It just like, it became where I was like, let me see if I can just you know recently i started eating um seafood actually in the summer i was like okay i'm going to implement seafood mm-hmm. and my my uh, my 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 iron went up but not i'm still low iron mm-hmm. my iron went up to almost not low <laughs> so it like low iron <laughs> is up like to
0: almost not low
2: i know so low iron they told me is like 13 and you really want your iron somewhere like 15 or 16 And when I first got my iron tested at that research clinic, they're like, you're a six. I'm like, oh, that sounds really low. (laughs) They're like, yeah, you really need to take iron like now. Yeah. And um, so then when January came around, I moved back to Austin. I decided that I was going to go give blood as often as possible because it was the one free way I can go get my iron tested. Okay. And so um, I did that. Because you can't donate it if it's low, right? Right, right. And that's the one uh, number one reason people get turned away to get blood is because their iron's too low. Um, but it's also the number one free way to go get your iron tested that I can think of. So when you don't have insurance, you're really thinking about ways oh, to get...
0: good. It's good work.
2: Yeah, so everybody out there that is... <laughs>
0: I did not know that. Is, is yeah. there a way I can get my vitamin levels checked without I wish um, I knew.
2: Pain? Call the Cheerios company. <laughs> <laughs> Is there wheat bran in my arm? <laughs> no, I don't know a way. I just know there's some things. Like for instance, I used that research study to get all my testing done. You know what I mean? And then when it came time to them wanting to put pills in my mouth, I was like, no, like nope. Yeah, but now I found out the information I needed to know. So um, yeah, um, I th- the first time I tested at that place, they said six, and the first time I started going to We Are Blood, which is a great place. Um, And they're everywhere in Austin. Uh, Then I was 6.5. And then so I did some things to try to make the score go up. And I went and got tested a few days later. And it was like 7.5. I was like, oh, my God. And so then I did some other things to make it go up. And it was back to 6. And I was like, I don't know. And it's so discouraging. Right. So I'm like, how do you get your freaking iron up? Because I can't eat red meat because that's one of the things that will have your fibroid grow. But red meat mm-hmm. is one of the things that'll pick my iron back up. So I'm like, well, you have to make choices. Right. Make
0: That's what I was just thinking.
2: I yeah. So it was really like you got to make the choice: which one do you want more? You want you want your you want your tumor to grow do they larger? Say what
0: it is in the red meat that makes it grow?
2: Um, meat in general is you know what it is. Okay. So the uterine fibroid is dependent on and grows from estrogen. It's an okay. over-estrogenated body i think i said that wrong too much estrogen in the body gotcha and estrogen it's it's like what you were saying earlier about the uh the hormone detractors or what do you call them uh there were there's so much hormones in everything and there's hormones in food that are natural and there's some that are additive you know what i mean and um meat uh just feeds fibroids It feeds fibroids, especially like red meat and baked goods. I don't know what it is in all those things, but they they I don't even know what it is. Might be gluten, I don't know. But estrogen um, is found in a lot of foods, and I can't eat certain foods if they have estrogen in them. So I want to eat things that have more testosterone in them. Mm -hmm. But I mean, what foods have testosterone in them? Well, oysters. I'm gonna send
0: you (laughs) on with two books that I covered on the podcast, but only you can only. I only covered what I feel is a very tiny percentage on the podcast, but I would oh. love to give you these two books, which will answer a lot of questions, or at least lead you to other questions to get answered. But these these change each time I read a book. I'm like, find something that I can you know elevate myself and my family mm-hmm. and lead us towards better health. But you know, knowledge and awareness, and mm-hmm. uh, these these two books definitely help. And I'll wow. give those to you and. Has all my highlights and notes, but you know, I love I that you should read the whole thing. <laughs>
2: all the books that I grew up reading they have the same, and I just makes the book even better. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, thank you, thank you, yeah. And you, you know, you had a question earlier that I want to get back to, which was, Do you know some of these ingredients in the products that I would normally use before I made my own and what they do to the body? And right. talc was one of them that I wanted to say. Talc, um you know, they finally stopped, Johnson & Johnson, I think just this year, finally stopped selling it in the US and stopped putting it in baby powder. It was women um, who were saying they were getting ovarian cancer from it. Because apparently there's a lot of women and men who use it uh, much like um, sports people use, like Talc to put from shaving,
3: yeah, Yeah.
2: exactly, and in their shoes and stuff like that. But women use it the same way, I guess, just for freshness. Um, But it was it was detrimental to the women's reproductive uh, reproductive system, and they were getting ovarian cancer, and they were being sued so much um, and losing their lawsuits um, that they finally just decided, okay, 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 we're going to stop selling this. You know, not that they admitted anything. They're like we're just getting sued too much. That was their response. So it just,
0: obviously that type of stuff happens. It just phases out and nobody hears about it.
2: Somebody sent that to me actually, so it's around. Like you can find it on Forbes and different other health, uh, you know, Forbes because it's business, you know. And mm. but you can find it around. But it's you know we're in the middle of a pandemic. You know who cares. You know, so about Johnson and Johnson. So some of this stuff doesn't hit the big time. It hits big time news, but we're so focused on other things, um, like Trump's tweets. Um, (laughs) So (laughs) he
0: lost, by the way.
2: I found out. (laughs) Finally. out of here.
0: Uh, Oh, my God. I'm so glad. That's a wrap.
2: I don't know. Um, I'm not. (sighs) To me, there's no light at the end of the tunnel until I see what's going to go on with this guy, Biden.
0: Yeah, I'd say it's like the South Park episode a long time ago was a a giant douche versus um, turd sandwich. (laughs) Exactly. That was was the election on South Park a long time ago. But yeah, I'll take this one for sure.
2: I want to see what he does. Yeah, I do want to see what he does. But besides that, um, so what I found out in all my research Mm -hmm. is that women's bodies actually are much more um, sensitive for lack of a better word to all this toxicity Mm -hmm. and it makes immense sense because a woman's body is not only does it uh, contain more fat in it because it's really uh, built and prepared the way it's made to give birth Mm -hmm. um, there's it's just such an amazing uh, system that of course anything that doesn't belong any kind of chemical that doesn't belong there will throw it off very easily um it's it's a delicate balance yeah. so so um women's body does tend to have more um detriment towards all these toxicity and so talc was one of them uh, that was also too um, men, men's hormones are definitely highly affected by it. Um, you know, men can grow larger breasts. Um, men can have all kinds of things that I didn't look into because I was so focused on just, um, I guess more of what I was going through, mm-hmm. but I did see some of that stuff that uh, men suffer from the hormonal problems that a lot of the toxicity is bringing into the body. Um, that I don't know a whole lot about. But I will say that um talc can disrupt uh the lungs and anybody who has asthma should not be around talc. Anybody who has any kind of lung issues shouldn't be around things like talc or fragrance or what is it called? Eau oh, de toilette. Eau
0: de toilette <laughs> Which is just French for a fragrance, right?
2: So, <laughs> yeah, and so, but that's all another verbiage that they'll put on containers that makes mm-hmm. it seem so fine and fancy. But what they're really saying is, oh, chemical, oh poisonous, chemical, <laughs> poisonous. So, yeah, anything that says parfum, de toilette, or uh, fragrance is completely toxic and it's an agitator in our bodies, so it can cause you to get. Um, What are those things that austenites get? Allergies. Oh, allergies. Oh, those things. Yeah. It can cause you to have allergies and it can also cause you to have shortness of breath depending on if you have asthma or anything like that. So that's all bad for our lungs. And, you know, like you said in your wife, it created headaches. Mm -hmm. So there are side effects that can be that are, you know, hopefully they're not long term, you know, like you said, she stopped using that and boom, went away. That is the best case scenario. Get it out of your life and you feel better.
0: Yeah, you get out make a change and then wait. Right. Is the other thing.
2: Right. So that's best case scenario. But some of these things can create long-term, wreak wreak long-term havoc. Mm -hmm. Um, Or if you already have a pre, um, you're pre-exposed or you have a precondition, such as asthma. Right. It's going to always harm you. And you know what I'm saying? So... Yeah, um, talc was a big one. Fragrance is a huge one. You can have an a, um, almost natural product, and then they throw fragrance, and it's like, what are boom. you doing? It like, you just ruin this pretty decent product.
0: What about the disinfectant?
2: The disinfectant. Um, honestly, the thing, the clipper disinfectant, the major thing, the only thing I really saw that was so wrong with it was fragrance. Because was, otherwise, it's just it's really just alcohol, oil. Mm-hmm. for lubricant and uh, fragrance like I man, the fragrance is so strong too there's one that comes in an orange colored can Ugh, i can't even use that one it's so strong yes. but all of them have fragrance in it so and then the main thing with those that's wrong is the aerosol and the fragrance because aerosol is bad for the environment mm-hmm. fragrance is bad for our personal body environment so mm-hmm. the two combined it makes it toxic that's the other thing that people aren't looking at is okay so what so it's you know there's toxicity in it there's everywhere well yeah do you care anything about the earth because most of these things are in plastic uh, you know aerosol you know they're not they're not in containers that you can reuse or recycle um and let's face it if they are do you no, <laughs> yeah. you just toss up bad boys so i mean there's so much to care about and it's like you know i'm just trying to survive true but i'm also trying to stay healthy like, i don't really believe that we're ever gonna live in a 100 toxic free world i think that that's like utopia no, right that's not gonna happen And that's not the goal either the goal is to reduce you know what i mean like like you know like you would tell your friend you know do you have to drink that much though like can you just like you know what I mean? The goal is to reduce in yeah. some cases. And in other cases, you just need to just knock it all the way out. You know, you just got to know like when it's time to just knock it all the way out. So, you know, the bigger dent on toxicity that we can make the better.
0: I'm on board. And I appreciate it. <clears throat> to steer you way back take let's take it back. Let's take it back <laughs> to 2016. Okay. You're shaving heads, cutting designs in Houston. Uh-huh. You're doing your thing. You're in this busy shop. Uh-huh. Somebody or what got you up to the Dakotas? This whole you—you oh, yeah. you were part of the Standing Rock protest.
2: Okay. And
0: you—you mm-hmm. you said you were at Houston at the time, I believe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're correct. And then. So I guess, what did, who got you there? Why did, why did you go up there? This, this whole experience has been in my, since we first met and that, saw mm-hmm. that tattoo, like, oh, I got that from the Standing Rock protest. I'm like, what? I don't know anyone who's been there,
3: mm-hmm.
0: first of all, to the Dakotas period. Yeah, I had right? been. Mm-hmm. Or been part of that let alone be there for a long time get a tattoo and you said oh it totally changed me and then you just and it just like was cliffhanger since then <laughs> i was like what what happened <laughs> oh so that's what it was you saw my tattoo i saw you told me you said okay. you said oh i got this and you told me where and then ever since then it's like cliffhanger okay and then i saw that awesome instagram story you posted oh. kind of with the the riots and the camps mm-hmm. and the snow and i'm just all these questions like what how do you eat? Who did you stay with? Who took you there? <laughs> what is it like being around these native people? When you know we're mm-hmm. Latinos, we're Mexican. It's a heritage. They were here first. They are still here. Mm-hmm. Jump on Wikipedia. The first thing you find on their page is a speech from Sitting Bull's great granddaughter at the whatever Nations of Indigenous Peoples, giving a uh, three minute talk about probably United that Nations protests.
3: Yeah,
0: and you know you were there. It's not like. Hey, let's chit-chat about whatever. Oh, that day. You were there at the camp. Which was there which I didn't realize was there for a long. It was there for over a year. I think yeah, it was there I a year so. and a half. And then I was reading this year, 2020, that same person, I forget his name, the lawyer that stood up and initially grabbed people together to support the protest has still filed and uh now that so he basically he was pushing for the environmental review of it. Mm-hmm. They wanted to stop the flow of the oil, do the environmental review with the Army Corps of Engineers, and if it passed, cool, mm-hmm. let it let it flow again. Just mm-hmm. do the assessment for the native people. Yeah. Cuz it never got completed cuz it got paused when Obama lo- when Obama lost, right? Obama said, "Hey, let's do the review before it was turned on." Mm-hmm. Then the next month Trump became president. Mm. he said we're not doing a review period and then it got turned on they finished it right yeah he signed so, it in they green light and so he never it, it never said it did it, it doesn't mean that it's not safe but it never got checked and that was for those people and why you were there like it was like he we never did a complete new like oh we we do it all over the states and it's cool
3: mm-hmm.
0: fine we don't live all over the states we live here by this river, mm-hmm. so do the assessment. So there is a chance that Biden might actually push for the review of that pipeline because it's an active case again. Really? You know, as of, it, as of July. it did
2: end up leaking. It did leak. Yes. I don't remember the outcome of that leak, but it did end up leaking because, you know, after everything was all said and done and, you know, the cameras turned off and, you know, time went by, it did end up leaking like the following year. I don't remember. It must have not been a huge spill, but it was. You know, I don't remember what happened because by then I was like deep in kind of the next my Things next step. So yeah.
0: I, I guess I was back up. So how how did you get up there?
2: Um. So um, okay, so where I was at the time was I was working at uh, Goodfellas and Friendswood at Joaquin's shop at the Fade shop and. Um, kind of going through a breakup. Um, and uh, so I told you I had moved from Oakland to Houston to do the program. Mm-hmm. And then I ended up staying in Houston. And that pretty much became our breakup, you know, from um, the person I was dating in Oakland. So um, we had been doing um, – we have been huge fans of that show with Henry Louis Gates Jr. Finding Your Roots. That's what it was. Okay. Finding Your Roots. <laughs> we Oh my god. This this show is amazing. Um we both saw all these episodes where different um, famous people would they would go and like, you know, Just you know, look, go back in time and look for their family tree through all these documents, uh, in these libraries and in these other places, and they gather all this information. This genealogist, right? And um, they would just discover their whole line, both sides, you know, paternal, maternal, like. Well, these are the people you come from and this is a history and your your great 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 was written in this paper and this is what he did and it was and at the end they're like, "Wow." And then they're like, "Okay, now we're going to do the DNA test." And so they already had a test waiting that they had done before and then they reveal the results. They're like, "Oh, it turns out like you're <laughs> like, you know, a quarter African and a quarter German and then you know, whatever." What's the guy that um <laughs> the guy that um i'll remember uh, something uh, junior <laughs> oh my god he, he went on there this famous guy in hollywood um i can't remember he was he was a superhero at one mo- uh, one time and he went on there he's like i just have the feeling that i'm black and he's and henry lewis gates jr who's a black man he's like oh really he's like okay well um anyway so they go to his tree and they they go back into his whole um you know family history and he finds all this amazing stuff and says like time to reveal the dna st- DNA test <laughs> and um and he's like it turns out and he lo- it says 100 european he goes you're a white man <laughs> he, he was like destroyed i'm gonna remember that actor's name but um i remember he he did blackface in a movie where he was a soldier and he played a black man and they painted him dark jr. robert downey jr he was like, I guess that role really, them. yeah, he, that's the one, yeah. Um, he, he was on the, uh, the Finding Your Roots show saying like, I know I'm black <laughs> somewhere. I know I'm black, you know. So anyways, he turned out. So th- that show really grabbed us because my girlfriend at the time is her father's black and her mother's white, and she had some questions about all that. She heard she was native, all this stuff. And, you know, I'm Mexican, and I was having all these dreams. You know, I'm Chicana. I was having all these dreams in California and, and in New York, Um, and they were strong dreams and just like visions and stuff. And I was like, they were all like very native type dreams. I was like, what is going on? Like, I just like, I just knew, I was like, I think, you know, my ancestors are trying to tell me something, but I was so caught in my life that I, I I took them for real and I even painted some stuff about them and stuff, but I also was just, you know, kind of going and going and going. And, um, we started doing our own tree on on um on ancestry.com she did she started doing hers i started doing mine she was way better at it so she helped me with mine we ended up moving back to oakland um so we continued our family trees on ancestry.com and um she was able to trace hers back all the way to the 1400s because of her white mother and it turns out that she was not um she thought she was irish on her mom's side but it turns out she's english and she was like whoa floored so, there is some stuff. I mean, she found um, on her father's side, her, her black father, she found some freedom papers for at the point where they became free. Whoa. And that was intense. She was not able to travel as far back there, um, but on her mom's side to the 1400s, whoa. So, like, there were some amazing things we were finding out. Um, <clears throat> and for me, um, I was like, I know I'm Native. Like, I, like, all these dreams, all this stuff, I can feel it. And just... It just... It was pulling on me really hard and I could tell. So, you know, I did mine and we did our DNA together and we found out some stuff. I did not expect to be like, I think I'm like 39% Native American. I was like, what? Because on the show, most people were like, oh, I'm 10%. Wow, that's a lot. I'm 3%. I know, right? (laughs) So I just, I I expected it to be low and it wasn't low. I was like, holy crap, I'm almost like half. And I was like, damn. So that was, those were really, um, you know, and I'm Spanish, of course, you know, so... Um, we all are. <laughs> I don't know, maybe. <laughs> but um yeah, so that was a very poignant moment. But then when I decided to come back to Houston for the barbering and then I got here and then I started doing my thing, I really dropped all that even though I wanted to learn more. And I was really feeling lost a little bit in Houston. Like I just really needed to connect with... Uh, the side of me that felt grounded there and that felt like uh, native and that just i just was trying to connect and um so i started doing all this like um actually no let's stop i didn't care i was all about cutting hair because that's what i was doing yeah, you know <laughs> i just stopped caring is what i did because i was just all about doing what i was doing um so i go to visit my cousin here in Maynard and she's all about her DNA thing she's like look I've been doing the family tree thing and I'm and look and I'm finding all this stuff and she was getting way farther on it than I was but I didn't really care because I was like kind of done with that I was like yeah okay she's like no really look I found this person in our family that we might be related to and they're like a Comanche interpreter from like from like New Mexico I was like what and I was like thinking like Whoa, she's like really deep in this but she got me to listen I was like mm-hmm. uh-huh and I was thinking there's no way she found the right people I was like but okay it's interesting but when I left well because she was never into that so but that kind of re-sparked things for me so I left back to Houston I was like huh I was like maybe maybe I should reconnect because right now I'm just all about one thing and I was like uh, you know maybe I'll reconnect maybe I'll find you know what I'll find some group here in Houston mm-hmm. of, of Native people or chicanos or whatever that are kind of more focused on the indigenous side of things and maybe they're doing some cool stuff that i can get involved with and i could, you know get in touch with some groups and so that's what i did i started the only way i really knew how to look was i was like on google and i was like you know what maybe i'll just do hashtag searches on instagram so i just was like hashtag native hashtag indian hashtag texas native you know i started doing all these hashtags and every now and then a photo would pop up and it would say Hashtag N O D A P L. Mm -hmm. And I was like, "Mm, what's that? And I was like, okay. And then I'd look up something else and it would say, and it would say hashtag and it would hashtag this stuff. And it would be like, North Dakota. I'm like, "Um, uh, I don't know what that is, but it kept coming up. I was like, what is that? So somebody had a video and I clicked on it. And it was a fight that was going on in North Dakota. And I was like, what? like I didn't I was just like kind of like stupefied I was like what is this so I started kind of like you know I went to the rabbit hole and started looking at it and then I was like what is going on and and so I was reading about it and I was feeling really like like the more I read about it and was finding it out in that moment like I started to get chills like what? like what's going on and then I saw the video that came out on uh, Democracy Now and that just like I, I instantly just cried I was like oh my god what is this um she was she was there that was the day whenever the daily had the Bismarck police had these dogs that they let loose on these people um who were trying to fight the 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 pipeline and say you're on our land and just the way that they just screamed at them and yelled at them i was like oh my god i was like ugh. I just get ripped at my soul mm-hmm. and the dog they they allowed the dog the the security dog to like bite people and, and i was like what is going on i was like oh my god so i felt like it was a personal attack on me it was just like okay so i started looking for people in houston and i found um through instagram i found some some group that was like oh you know, Houston stands with Standing Rock. And I'm like, oh, okay, what's this? So they had some meeting coming up, and I was like, I'm going. Oh, <laughs> so I went to the meeting, and I met some people, and they are like, we're doing a flag. And I was like, okay. I was like, well, I paint. I'll help you with the flag. And so, you know, they didn't need that much of my help, but I was there. You know, they already kind of had it drawn out to a degree, but I was there, and I, I did everything. I stayed, you know, several hours with these folks I didn't know before then and helped them paint this flag. I think I went twice. And they're like, okay, well, we're going to take this flag to, to Standing Rock. And I was like, okay. And, you know, I was like, you know.
0: Have have fun.
2: Yeah, I yes. was like, okay. <laughs> to me, I was just wanted to help. But the more that they're, I was like, so you're just going to, what are you going to do? They're like, we're going to go see how we can help. And we're going to take all these supplies. We have supplies that we have donated. And I was like, oh. And I was like, oh, okay. And so like, I listened to everything they said. I met these people. It was cool. And when I drove back home, because I was living close to Galveston by this point, uh, I was like,
3: I really feel like I
2: should go. Like, I really feel like I should go. And I was like, but how? Like, how am I going to I was like, oh. I don't know. They said they had this, this They're going to do this like ride up there. I was like, so like, I remember getting in touch with them being like, so is there any room left in that car? They're Like, oh, uh, you know, I don't know. Let me find out. It seems kind of full right now, but let me find out. So they're like, oh, well, okay. Um, yeah. I mean, you can come with us if you want to. And I was like, okay. But so I ended up, I was like, you know what? I'll drive. I'll just drive. I have a car. I'll follow you all up there. And so, um, I remember then that suddenly put someone else in my car, so I, someone came with me and I drove up there, and I followed them up there. And
0: have you ever been up? No. Up anywhere north of Texas?
2: No, I like lived in New York for three years, but, I mean, but like besides, like straight up no, I've straight never been the in the place. middle of the the, the of, of America. Yeah, the middle. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I've never That's been to I'm the saying. plains or whatever it is. That's what I mean. I've I've been to Topeka once. My mom took us as a kid. Topeka, Kansas, uh-huh. and you, you, no one. If you, you haven't seen endless flatness, it <laughs> is. You have to see it. Just like seeing as as dramatic as mountains are.
3: huh.
0: It's just as jarring to see eternal flatness to drive through there. So well, I guess. So you get up there and you're cruising through. Yeah. What was that like?
2: Um You know, I I did what was it? It was October. So it's October and they try their best to tell me like what I should take and stuff like that and you know, I take my best what I should take close. Um and I go up there and the drive up there was it was I, I mean, I'm used to driving yeah, I've I'm, I'm always loved driving and been a road trip type person. So I just remember it being like not that special. Kind of just, it's like every other highway in America, you know, a type <laughs> thing. And you're going to drive by a Waffle House probably or a Denny's or, you know, you know what I mean? <laughs> yes. So it didn't, that really didn't capture me as much as actually getting there. Um, because the landscape really started to change. Um, in South Dakota and North Dakota it's like started to look more like majestic. And I was like, what? Um, and it just, it just, um, I don't remember we passed this area where everything was just, um, now am I, am I getting it more confused with uh, California? I just remember it being majestic. And then whenever we finally did get there, I remember the signage changing. Um, like, they're like you are now at standing rock and we're we're driving through this area and we're kind of lost and we're trying to get there and i just remember we stopped at a convenience store at a gas station and there's like this sign on the uh, on the on the on the cooler where you go and get your sodas and it says domestic violence is a crime and it's got this like this like very new mexico kind of native designs on them And they have the hotline number. And I'm like,
0: whoa. On the soda machine.
2: Yeah. And I was like, wow. And then we start driving, you know, onto the reservation. And then they're like, we're on the reservation right now. I'm like, we're on a reservation? Like, because in my mind, I guess um, I only have Hollywood in my mind. So I'm like, you think a reservation is going to be like full of teepees and a fire somewhere burning in there? You know what I mean? You don't know. I don't know what a reservation looks like. So I'm like, it looked like a regular neighborhood that was like half houses and half uh, mobile homes Mm -hmm. you know um but it just looked like maybe a little bit like uh maybe not well off not like totally poverty stricken but just not well off you know so i was like this is the reservation and i was like oh wow so we were like driving around for a minute because we didn't know how to get to camp "Quote unquote camp." We knew it was somewhere. Finally, some we like. Somebody said, "Let's just follow that car." You know, we went in and and we ended up finding the camp. Where how
0: big was it? At how big was it at this time?
2: How big was Standing Rock? The camp. camp? Oh man, I don't know. I um I remember there being a giant sign that said "No alcohol and no firearms," and I was like, to me, it seemed really native because I, I mean, I think I I think by this point I already knew like that native people struggle with alcohol just mm-hmm. like mexican people do you know um and so it just everything about it seemed the same but very indian you know what i mean very like like the designs on there were really native um and just it almost i don't know it was just something about it that was just different but it was the same i was like huh and so we went in and you know they had to like to us. And then before you know we're going, we're going down some hills. It seemed like how big was it? I couldn't tell you because like everybody was in like a tent. They had a, they had this tent they had pitched up and we're driving around in this like hilly kind of like dirt place um, where everybody's kind of setting up as if they're camping basically. And, um, and they're like, oh yeah, well you guys can stay in that one. And someone had already pitched a tent that all we had to do was kind of put our, um, what do you call those things?
0: Your sleeping bag. Or That's what
2: it is. Bag. We put our sleeping bag. See, I'm not a camper. <laughs> <laughs> so I, to me, like, if you ask me to bring a tent, I'm like, are you sure you want me to bring a tent? Cause <laughs> that doesn't sound fun or good. <laughs> so, um, luckily the people I was with were much more savvy on these things. Like to me, I knew, I knew, I knew what to bring according to my various city lifestyles, you know? Mm-hmm. So other than that, I mean, I knew I had to have chapstick, <laughs> you know, there were certain things I had to have. I had a beanie, you know, I had a boots, you know, toothbrush, you know, regular stuff, you know, but so. You know, I have flash, that extra stuff like flashlights, batteries, you know, I didn't know what else to bring. How busy was it? It was semi-busy. It wasn't like insanely crowded, but it really did seem kind of like what you would seem like an alternative lifestyle where people just want to camp. Because you did also see some people that kind of looked a little hippie-ish or just looked like a little bit more like punk rockish, where they were like alternative people. And then some people that looked way more like Indian, like, no, we're native and we're here because, you know, we want to show our of pride, and we want to protect, you know, so there was, a, there was different kind of quality of people there, best way I can put it, and everybody had a tent, or, you know, there was a, there was a place where we uh, had brought somebody who was like, okay, I'm going to set up this food tent where we're going to cook things, and there was a kitchen slash food tent that was already set up there, and there was even an area that looked kind of like, as if it was like the goodwill of the, of the camp, <laughs> you know, you go there, and you're like, if you need any sweaters, because, all these people from all over the country were donating all these clothes. And at this point, people people knew about it already. I mean, like I said, I saw that video on Democracy Now! I'm not sure how much regular news it was getting, but I think there was some talk about it on regular news, like Fox, whatever, ABC. I just know what I saw on Instagram and on Democracy Now! And Democracy mm-hmm. Now! is my main source of news. And so, there was some coverage. Not, I don't think it was a whole lot until what was about to happen while I was there <laughs> that I had no idea what was going to happen. I was just like, okay. So we kind of like put our things down and they're like, all right, well, let's go to the front lines. Yeah. I'm like, all right. So I took my car up there. Um, um, by the way, me and the person that, the, that I took in my car did not get along. So, but when we got there, we kind of just put that behind us and just kind of were about the purpose. Mm -hmm. And we went over there and to the front lines really was a small highway, like a two-way highway, I think it was. Um, And it was like covered in beautiful, like there's beautiful hills surrounding you. And there's another camp, which... I forget what the other camp that we were at was called, but the camp that was at the front lines was Ocheti Shakawin. And that was the one that uh, really that you see on uh, the news a lot. And that's, um, you see that one. Um, and that's where I'm like, okay, this is the front lines. I didn't get anything anybody was saying. I was there as an observer. Like, because I didn't know how I can help. I didn't know what to do. I really didn't even know the full, the full cause. I kind of knew it to the best of my ability. I know this is native land. I'm in North Dakota. Um, I'm on a reservation, even though it looks just like a neighborhood. Um, you know, I know that there's a pipeline. I know no dapple" means a no Dakota access pipeline now. You know, like I was starting to get clued in little by little. I did not go up there completely knowing. I just knew the cause hit me in the gut and in the heart, and I had to be there. Um so everything I was, like, looking at for the first time, like, just in shock and in awe. Like, when I got there, there was uh, – Mark Ruffalo was there um, talking – like, some speech had just happened. Mm-hmm. And they were all like, yeah, and then photos. And everybody wanted a photo op with Mark Ruffalo and, and some other kind of well-known um, people that were there, um, <laughs> natives and, and and camera people. It, it was kind of like – I was such an observer. I was just like, what's
0: going on? It are just all overwhelming, all everything.
2: Yeah, yeah, because I didn't know how I fit in. I didn't know how I was even going to be perceived as being there. Like, who are you? You know, so I was just really
0: like. You came with no intention. You're just.
2: My intention was to help, but I didn't know how. And I yeah. also didn't want to. You had no s- agenda. I mean. Yeah. You're just,
0: you're just coming to help and. You'll see yeah. what happens.
2: Right. And like I said, I didn't know how I'd be perceived there. Like, I'm an outsider. I'm not from the res. You know, I'm not a reporter. I'm not a famous person. I'm just like, just tell me what to do. Mm-hmm. Or I'll just stand here and kind of look around. <laughs> you know <laughs> what I mean? So that's really what happened as we kind of drove around that camp, Ocheti Shakawin, and it was really interesting because you go down into a dip to drive into it, and it was just all of a sudden just this land. And at the end of it was... And it wasn't just this land; it was land where tons of tents were pitched, and some people had pitched a teepee, and some people had pitched a larger tent, a smaller tent, and everybody had their campsite set up so comfortably, and with all this like banter of like uh, not banter, but like you know they had their peace there, like no pipeline, and you know, you know, honor the treaties. Everybody had like their loud speech there on on on.
0: So there's just signage everywhere.
2: Signage everywhere and all kinds of imagery that was very native. It's like people were flying their one native flag they had or they were, you know what I mean? And there was, it was just, it was an over, it was like being in a city you'd never been to where everybody lives in tents. And it was on a dirt road, on a field, near a highway, you know what I mean? And so I was just driving around like trying not to look too like, whoa but at the same time being like whoa like what is this and it was broad daylight it was the middle of the day when we got there beautiful weather at the end of that piece where all those people were was uh the river i guess that was the river they were all talking about that they you know they didn't want to get um contaminated with oil and fossil fuels so i'm like okay wow this is and you you would see horses going by because um some of the people there that were the native people there, they, they had horses. You know, you'd see people in like headdresses because they're suddenly like sh- just not suddenly, but they're they're there to show their pride. Mm-hmm. Like we're native. We're here. This is our land. We're protecting it. Um, so and they're, you know, it's just and you saw native people that were also looked a little bit more like cowboys, too. It was just like sight to see. There was so much to see, you know. It's just like wow, it's just like wow. What's going
0: on? So here? was there was there meetings once a day? Like, hey, let's rally and let's talk about this, or was it <sighs> just let's be here until law enforcement comes or until the pipeline company comes to start working and <laughs> We're just hey, when hey four o'clock they're coming. Line up at this time, otherwise come get the snacks at the <laughs> well, snack tent.
2: From what I remember, we got there and our whole purpose was to take this truckload of supplies that people had donated. And they'd spent time having these events that I knew nothing about because I hadn't met them yet, where people were uh, donating supplies, all kinds of supplies. So that was the whole goal was to get those supplies up there. And I completely lost track of that goal because of all the stuff to look at. So after we went to Ocheti and saw all that um I think it was before that we unloaded all the supplies and what I said was kind of the goodwill of the section of that camp and then they took some stuff also to the second camp which was a larger more front lines camp. Mm-hmm. We were we the camp we were staying at was tucked away uh, you know, it was down the highway ten minutes behind this neighborhood in this like hilly place. That if you went to the very top of that hill, you could see Ocheti Chakowin in the distance with all the tents and stuff and that highway. It was it was it was definitely more far off and not on the front lines. But that's where they led us, and that's where we went, and that's where we stayed. I couldn't tell you how many tents were on there. If I had to guess, I'd say at least psh, maybe. I don't know, maybe at least fifty, which is quite a bit. (laughs) And it was all like hilly and dippy, and you know, you got to drive up. You know, I'd say there, if I had to guess, was about fifty
0: tents pitched. So at some point during it, did you did you have some sort of connection that you were hoping for with some native peoples, like finding any sort of? You know, what connection did you find there within? yourself that you're hoping hey i want to stand up for who you are now that you're feeling it and you're there and because you're there for a long time right you were there
2: this first trip that i'm telling you about right now was like no i think i was i think i was there maybe three or four days this is the first trip um uh i had no idea there was going to be an after to this moment i just knew this is it and hey i'm dropping
0: uh, off this stuff check it out and i'm out of here
2: yeah i just i mean i even lost track i lost sight of the fact that we were dropping anything off because the whole trip was like moment to moment you know it's just like uh everything was brand new um I don't even think I was part of the, uh, them, you know, unloading the truck. I think I just walked out and was just like, what is going on? <laughs> you like, just wow. Wander off yeah. Wandered off. Like, wow, what the heck, you know? So after we saw Chetty Chaka win, we're like, all right, let's, let's everybody go back to camp and let's eat. So I, I think that's what ended up happening. We all went back and we're all kind of just trying to get everybody settled. Where are you going to sleep? Where are you going to sleep? Mm-hmm. You know, put everything in its place when we're talking. I just remember we were doing a little bit of nothing for a moment. And out of nowhere, uh, somebody on a truck in the back of a truck goes, come on, everybody in the front lines. And we're like, what? And so like all of a sudden, like, we're like, all right, let's get in the car. So I get in the car and my friend gets in the car. And, you know, some people get in there just, and we're all like, you know, we're like busting. We're hauling ass down out of that camp, out from that neighborhood, down the highway um, to, our are Ochete Shaco in and I didn't realize that's where they were saying for us to go, but it was that same area we were and everybody just kinda of parks in the ditches. And I park in the ditch and then we start walking up and everybody has all their stuff, you know, their rattlers, their drum, you know, they got their thing. What do we, I don't know what we're gonna do. I don't know. But <laughs> but we're walking down the street with a purpose and we're just um we're headed towards what is going on. Like what's happening? There's and so we get there and um there is there is, I'm pretty sure it was this moment, there is a lineup of um, of police. I didn't know there were police at the time. They're in full riot gear, and they have a, a, a giant truck that looks like it's from the army. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. It looks like it came out of uh, the Gulf War. And I'm like, what's going on? And I was like, so everybody just kind of like, you know, went their direction of the people we went there. Um, So I did too, I just kind of like got really close because it seemed safe at the moment. I was like, I'm gonna get really close because there's a lot more people way farther ahead than me. So I'm gonna get close enough so I can see what's going on but farther from the closest people. So that's what I did and I remember just standing there and looking around and some people were yelling things. Everybody was doing something different. You can tell there was no real like plan. It was just, we're all here, and we don't want them here, and that's all we know. Because not there were so many people doing so, so many different things. There was no plan. Like, all of a sudden, you know, there's – I would see some guy standing on a roof, like a rooftop that was like a shack or a shed that was just made for this purpose. Instead of somebody building a tent, mm-hmm. they took a little shed and built – built something on there and it had a tarp on it and I looked up there and I looked up there and I kind of just gave him my, you know, like, Hey, what's up? And he looked at me. And so I go around there and I decided to join him up there. There was like a couple people standing on that roof. So it could give me a little bit of a higher perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what I did. So I, you know, I used this rock <laughs> or that around to just kind of get myself up there. So I was standing on this roof with a couple other people, uh, that I didn't know. And, we were watching from a little bit of a, a bird's eye. It was just like one story high, A bird's eye view of like, okay, what's happening here? And I wasn't, I wasn't in the place to yell anything because I don't know what would I yell. Yeah, I don't know. Right now, I'm not really in a place. I'm not really trying to show aggression because it doesn't feel like that's the right thing to do right now. I'm just observing. But you see people yelling. They they start, you know, putting all kinds of debris. Uh, in the roadway, so that if as the as the Bismarck police start coming towards us, there's like a barrier of sorts. Like I don't know how much barrier that's going to be. You know, there's like tires in there. There's like a door. You know, just, <laughs> just garbage kind of just like piled there of things. You know. Okay. Um, you, I mean, this is this is so <clears throat> such a renegade moment.
0: It's just thrown together. There's no coordination at this point. There's no. There's leaders. no coordination. There's, it's just no. That's the only mission. Just. I mean, versus you right now. Let's let's deal with this.
2: I think that was, you know, in hindsight, later, even a day later, even realizing like, there that was part of the chaos of Standing Rock is that there were small groups all over the place mm-hmm. um, that wanted to go and help. But they weren't part of any larger group or any larger order, and they had their every every little group had their own way of what were they going to do to help? When really it was supposed to be the elders of the Native people, which are the uh, the the Standing Rock uh, Reservation, the people, the Dakota, the the Lakota people, basically Mm -hmm. the elders. We're supposed to be in charge of what's done. Like, if we don't want you guys to show violence, don't show violence. You know, and all this is supposed to be a non-violent, you know, display. So, but you can see instantly there's people there that just wanted to yell, like, "Get out of here! We don't want you here!" You know, they're they're yelling this, they're yelling that, and to me, it seemed in order. Like, it's the perfect time to do that. I don't know, we're here to protest, but for me personally. Nothing's is coming out of my mouth because i'm i'm watching i'm watching these people yell i'm watching these people like throw small things i'm watching i'm watching what people are doing because i don't have a real sense of what i'm supposed to be doing right you know what i mean so and the guy next to me was just standing there just watching but he was standing there as if almost like to say go ahead kill me roll over me but i will die standing and I, it was it was an energy wow. that was coming off of him and he looked um, an Indian or native and I was just like well I'm going to follow his energy because I'm here to to lay myself down for the cause too but I don't really see that there's anything that should be coming out of my mouth right now I didn't feel mm-hmm. like I should be yelling at anybody or right. throwing anything so I just kind of follow his energy which is probably why I got on the roof with him so I was just like standing there I was like kind of I would like take cues I'd look to my left yeah, and to my yeah. right every now and then and see what everyone else is doing and then make a decision what do I want to be doing right. So the Bismarck police were there and they're like lined up, which seems like a quarter of a mile to the left and a quarter of a mile to the right, and it just there's a like forever ending line of them and they're in right gear. And every now and then they're going, We need you to get off the highway. Remove all the garbage out of the highway. We need and, and, and after they would kind of have their announcements, then they would move forward a little bit, like another few steps. And they were getting closer really fast. Um and some people were going like really close up to them and in their face and saying whatever. And, and, you know, some people were kind of like kneeling close to them and saying their piece, like with a feather in their hand, you know, having their prayer, whatever the case, everybody kind of did their own thing. There was it was not <laughs> it was not the Black Panthers of all protests. You know, where we were all put in one room and coordinated, like, this is how we're going to do it. Right. It was not like that. It was a very, uh, everyone's out there on their own, renegade type of thing. And I do think there were some people that had a coordination. But it was such a small group, like, how could all these larger crowd know that? So we don't follow, you know? So it's just, we're not following anything. just
0: sounds like confusion and mayhem.
2: It was, yeah, it was a very unorganized moment and uh which is partially which is why i couldn't do anything i was like what am i supposed to be doing so i just observed and they got closer and they got closer and um i remember um one of the bottles was thrown in it landed on the ground and it was um the the bombs that they throw the the tear gas Mm -hmm. um and i remember that started happening and they're like um they're like I remember being told at one point, "Those of you who are on the roof, we need you to get down." And I was like, "Shit, they're talking about me." And I looked over at the guy and I the looked chicken, over the. Other. Is there another roof nearby? I, I, there's no other <laughs> roof, so I was like, oh. "I was like, he's staying there. I'm staying here." So I stood there for as long as I could, and they got really close. And I was thinking, like, "Okay, they're gonna knock this shed down. I'm gonna fall off it. I'm gonna hurt myself." i gotta go back to work in a few days (laughs) yeah so so i was like okay so they got like i would say within 20 feet of me or less it's really close especially for being in ride gear um and then i finally got down i was like okay i'm gonna go farther back because everybody was starting to move back right they're too close to this um this little shack here that i'm standing on so um i could see that people were getting you know they were yelling and some people were going up to them and putting their finger in their face and i was like man that just doesn't seem smart so i got off the roof and i started to move back and um Uh, I held up a sign at one point that somebody had given me and I was holding up a sign and I don't even remember what it said. I'm pretty sure it said something like no dapple, you know, this is native land, anything like that. Um, and I held it up for a while, but I really felt insignificant. Like, what is this really doing? Mm -hmm. So then I saw, um, a little bit further back, there there was a circle going on and it had a lot of elders in it and they all, they were not doing anything, but they were in that circle and there was hordes of people that were surrounding them and they were beating on drums and singing this song and the people around them were just kind of like moving around like jumping up and down like lightly just to kind of go with the beat Mm -hmm. and I was like I'm going where they're going and so I threw that thing, I threw the sign
3: down (laughs) and I went
2: over there with um, the elders and I just uh, started to kind of like um, That
0: definitely seems like it would resonate with your journey up there like you know this is you know that would seem to me hearing that Yeah, I think we should do that. Something yeah. to show, hey, we're the native people. This is what we do. We're here to be together, collectively, not strung out mayhem, arguing with right-year police. Right. So I could hear, I could see all those confusing elements. Yeah. Yeah, I could definitely see that.
2: Yeah, it's even hard to explain how confusing it was because there was so much going on.
0: I think you're doing a good job because I'm like, what? <laughs> this is That's over there? And yeah. Um, so you make it to the drum circle.
2: I make it to that, that larger circle where yeah. the elders are, and I just stand around them, and I start moving my body to go with that beat, and mm-hmm. I'm like, this is where I, I have to be because who else can tell me what to do, and no one's going to tell me what to do, and this is these are, these are the people. So I stood there for a while, and I kind of... Um, you know stayed there in that energy um i just remember more and more um smoke what are those smoke bombs or uh, tear tear gas gas. yeah were being thrown and i could see people like on the side like you know having to put milk of magnesia in their eyes and you know so they
0: were shooting the tear gas towards the circle
2: towards the towards the crowd not necessarily in that circle but just like in random places yeah, and they were weird. also starting to like tear down the uh, the tents um, in the uh, in the camp there at the front line that were along the highway and uh, you know I remember them bringing one down and someone came out of it I was like Whoa. <laughs> like there's people in there it's crazy I was like so I mean I'm laughing now but it wasn't actually funny um So what it seemed like is they're telling us dismantle. Take your tents down. Take your camps down. This is illegal. You can't be here on this highway blocking it. And you can't be in this field having a camp. You can't do it. Dismantle the camp. Get out of the highway. Move. Or else we're going to continue to keep moving closer. So... Okay so um, you know more and more of those tear gas gets thrown and we just keep getting pushed back and eventually the elders start walking back and moving back and everybody starts moving back and walking back because we're getting pushed back and unless you're going to single-handedly wrestle <laughs> the <laughs> the police with riot gear then you're going to you you have no choice but to move back so that's what was happening um i don't remember how how that actually that whole moment i don't even remember how that moment even stopped i just remember everyone saying hey everyone go down to the bridge go down to the bridge Did
0: they start arresting people at this point I no tear gas.
2: no uh it was only tear gas um and but that was enough to kind of push people back Pe- nobody wanted to get tear gas right and, um, and they were moving forward and as they proceeded forward, they would knock things down. So there was no, there was, it was kind of like, what are we going to do? So I, uh, somebody said, everybody go down to the bridge, down the highway. I man, I can't remember the, na- the name of that highway. It was, it was a number like 103 or 108 or something. Um, and we ended up going down the highway and people started getting their cars to move back because now they're inching towards like they're reaching our cars now so unless you want your car stomped out or whatever the case <laughs> you're like so i remember getting to my car and we all went down um we all went down to the, this bridge and when i say bridge i mean like it was a little passover bridge like just to go over a ditch like not that like maybe like a a, a, a creek how about that it was more of a bridge that went over a creek it so wasn't all these
0: people had to cross this tiny bridge
2: well, everybody parked at that bridge because that was apparently the next focal point of our next front lines. Like, okay, they just kind of stomped out our front lines here. Mm-hmm. We're going to create a new front lines down at the bridge. Who was saying this? I don't remember, but we were all following, right? So yeah. we're going, okay, okay, well, let's go down that way. So um, we get down that way. And I remember there was a quiet moment where, like, okay, we just left that protest or Front lines, or whatever that was, there was a quiet moment, and someone's like handing out hot dogs from a truck, And the back of the truck, like, Hey, hey, are you hungry? Is you hungry? And so, we, I just remember grabbing one and going, I'm <laughs> just eating it, like, with the wild eye, like, What just happened? I'm eating this hot dog, and I'm like, oh, That was crazy. But then, so we're there at the bridge, and we're all just kind of like commuting and talking for a second, like, mm-hmm. Man, did you see, or you know, just whatever. We're just kind of like recounting that for a second, and then somebody drives by crazy like <laughs> right <laughs> and like i don't know it's like it was almost like sums up and all of a sudden yeah. it comes back and this guy drives close into the um close to the lake that was there and he gets out and he's got a semi he's got a rifle in his hands he's whoa. got a semi-automatic and we're, everyone's like whoa whoa and so i remember like everyone's kind of ducking but they're yeah. also looking and i remember just kind of like filming or taking pictures and like what's going on so it this is like like chaos number two yeah
0: this just got real
2: yeah okay so now there's this rifle every all all of a sudden the um the 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 indian patrol i forgot what it's called um the they're like the indian police basically for the for the for the the res yeah and they all like pull up and they start to talk to this guy but it was already regular people trying to like de escalate. They followed him into the lake. They were like, you know, up above their knees into the lake and this guy's got this rifle and they're like trying to talk him down like, hey, you you know, like you can't have this rifle. Whatever they're saying to him, he's at a long enough distance that we can all see what's happening. We can't hear what's happening. So we're like, what the hell is going on? You know, and before you know it, the guy gets arrested and taken away and everybody's talking like oh you know everybody's trying to figure out what's going on and then no sooner than that happens i don't know how this uh, it's hard to even <laughs> explain how this happens all of a sudden there's a car on fire and we're like oh my god and, and it's rolled over someone rolled it off the highway into the ditch onto another truck it's on fire i don't just these these events don't even take make sense in my mind how they happen like one after another, like wait how did that happen like i don't know i don't know i don't remember some of the in-betweens i just remember after the rifle situation a car was on fire um i remember the field caught on fire and a bunch of us went over there to go like because this is like dry grass in the field we're all like trying to put the fire out and we're like we're like what's going on like all of a sudden just things started like dropping like, as, as in, like, events. Right. Like, from the front line there to everybody rushing to the bridge. So now we got this person that we're trying to de-escalate. And then now there's this fire. And I remember at some point, uh, you know, and of course there's people riding by, like, these are the cool things. man. there'd be these guys riding by in these trucks. And they were, like, literally the Indians, the Indian heroes, okay? They would, like, be in these trucks, hold it on in the back of a, of a bed of a truck and mm-hmm. just... You know, they'd have whatever they had in their hands. They'd have all this amazing, like, outfits on, long hair. And they would drive by in their trucks like, just (laughs) loud and just like really showing an immense amount of spirit and just keeping the fire burning in all of us. Like, yes, we're here for a reason. Yes, we're here for tech. Right.
0: Got distracted with the hot dog and the the car's on fire for a second.
2: (laughs) (laughs) So there was a lot of spirited... moments in there but at the same time there was like what's going on like what's because some things were unusual something unusual has happened and people were saying oh they were saying that that was an infiltrator that really wasn't um you know a water protector because at this point we know now we're called water protectors okay we're there as water protectors Uh, we're not there as protesters you know because we're that name had got put on us in order to put front and center our purpose we're there to protect the water although we'd had no idea how to do that we knew that was our purpose there so and that we were there to show numbers i don't know how i was going to protect the water but i knew that
0: but you physically being there you're a body you're a representation, yes you're part of the collective voice yes just by physically being there
2: absolutely absolutely um so <laughs> crazy. It is crazy because you know it's like it's like watching someone die in front of you. You don't know how to help. You're like, I have this band aid, <laughs> you know. It's it's it was a it was a moment. It was like immense fire burning within me, but also like I didn't know how to take action either. And um, but I knew some things, you know. I you know I knew I knew to duck from the guy with the you know rifle. Over, yeah. yeah, I knew I knew not to go towards that no, car towards that I was on yeah. fire because I was like, it's gonna blow any minute. Because uh, I watch TV and movies. It's gonna it, blow. It, explode? <laughs> it had a few pops, but it didn't explode like we like Universal Studios. Yeah, I thought it they was. They loaded
0: with what is that called? Ty- 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 Tyronite? whatever that explosive thing, stuff they put in cars. Yeah,
2: no, it didn't. I remember after all this was said and done, um, the, everyone's like, "Let's go back to camp." Uh, you know what? There was one other thing that happened. We were uh, we were all. We all thought we had won for a moment because I think the police left, left, right? And they arrested this guy with a rifle, and that was a a small win. Um, And It was just a moment of, like, there was a moment of victory, perhaps, even if we didn't understand what it meant. Mm -hmm. And somebody had said oh i heard they're going to uh, there's somebody up there that has some buffalo and they're going to let them go and no sooner than somebody said that literally you're looking up this beautiful majestic hill out in the distance far 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 yellow just amazing and all of a sudden this stampede of buffalo just Start running out, and everyone's like, Oh my god! And we all turn around and we're watching this amazing stampede of buffalo. I say stampede because I don't know what else to call it, but they're like a pack of buffalo running out. And then you see, um, you see like, um, the people who live in the area, some Lakota probably, on their horses running alongside them. And we're like, It was just like a magic moment, and we're like, Like, like there was this moment of victory, but then you also saw like these helicopters that had been around where, uh, the police were, uh, the helicopters zoomed in and to like scare the Buffalo and, um, the, the ATVs, um, I'm trying to remember if the ATVs were the police or not, but they ran off the Buffalo and I think one of the horses got shot. And everyone was pissed because we were like, "What are you doing?" So not like you're from not helicopter. Yeah. Yes. And so um, whether it was,
0: was it a police helicopter or were people yeah. hunting from the helicopter?
2: Yeah. No. It was. It was definitely the police or military. Or whatever it was, we didn't know at the time. We now know it was the Bismarck the Bismarck police. Ah. Uh, okay. Right. So everyone was infuriated. We, it was. It was weird because everyone was like oh there was yeah, this moment where yeah. our souls got lifted and everyone was cheering like just like crying like ah we did it! Ah! and then no sooner that we're like in this moment of exhilaration like we just see the the choppers come in and just like fly low to scare them and, and they run off and it just it, it was it was almost it was just it was it was heart-wrenching it was weird it was just like what just happened like, you can't do this to us. You know, you just shot, you know, you just shot at a horse. I think a horse got injured. Or I don't know if it died or survived or not. It was just a really, really mixed weird of feelings that was happening. It was yet all very magical, but all yet very stunning at the same time. And you're nowhere in your home. You don't know where you are. I didn't know where I was. in this land was not familiar this whole scenery was not familiar. And I just remember at some point, everyone's like, you know what? We're all exhausted. This was in a matter of like, I don't know how long this took. I don't know if it and was two hours. 15 minutes. You're <laughs> right. <laughs> 20 minutes later. Yeah. I have no idea since the time. Wow. I just knew it was still daylight. Yeah. Everyone's like, listen, we've got to go back to camp. Let's, let's take a lot off. Let's go eat. Let's get warm. So we go back to camp and everybody's talking about all this stuff. I don't really want to get into all the details of everything because I feel like you have questions that are larger. And I could just go into detail about like moment to moment from what I remember, which a lot of it is gone. Is gone. I'd have to be hypnotized. Because it was, I actually got PTSD from that first
3: first visit. Wow.
2: Yeah. And it wasn't, uh, it wasn't from everything I just told you. It was that night when we, when we try to sleep. Okay, so when, when it got dark, everyone came out. They're like, they're like, all right, come on, let's go. We got go. we, go to go. We're going to go the bridge. There's a fire on the bridge. Um, that's where there was a car on fire too. We got to the bridge. It's dark at this point. And um, we get there and there is a car turned over on the bridge that we were just at earlier in the day. And it's on fire. And on the other side of that fire is Bismarck Police. Lined up and yelling at us. Disband! Get off the highway! You know they're saying all kinds of stuff. I, it's, it's almost like what were they saying? I don't know. But there's tons of people on on our side that are. I don't remember what was happening. I remember there was really loud hip hop happening at one time. Um, like someone had like an insane speaker. Um, man, I don't remember what was happening. I really don't. In my mind, it almost sounds like a party. Like it was a a party. I, but it wasn't it was but i knew and my friend that was there the people we were there with uh, like there were there was there was um tear gas being thrown over over the fire from the cops and i remember seeing someone pick one up and throw it back over <laughs> it was just a weird i'm not sure what was going on but there was a literal darkness to that moment um where it felt way less safe And the people I was with said, we shouldn't be here. Like, the elders did not approve this standoff. Mm -hmm. We shouldn't be here. And it actually feels, something about it feels off. So we were there for a short time and we left. I feel like there was a- At that point it
0: felt more criminal than righteous. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I'm not sure why. Maybe because it was nighttime. I don't know. Maybe because in the center of everything was a burning vehicle. Uh, I don't know. Uh, I I feel like there's an incident there that happened that I'm forgetting. I think my friend got tear gassed is what it is. And we had to pour some milk of magnesium in her eyes. And I feel like there's something in there I'm forgetting. But we went back to camp and we're like, all right, let's call it a night. Um, Someone had to be up all the time kind of like watching out, uh, Mm -hmm. like the lookout person or something. But I remember being in the camp in the tent and we're like, all right, let's go to sleep. And we go to sleep. And all of a sudden we hear, we hear, we hear choppers above, like,
3: boop, 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 boop,
2: Like just choppers, like the sound of choppers really close and flying low. And you can see like the lights coming in on us. What they're, what they're doing is trying to count how many people are on camp and also disturb us. But they really need to get a count of like how many people are out there. We need to know what we're dealing with. And so, um, and they were yelling things. I don't remember what they were yelling down at us. Um, But it was so bizarre to be woken up in the middle of the night from low flying helicopters that I remember me and my friend got out of the tent and we're like, we, woke, we both woke up like if someone was shooting, we're like, what just happened? And we get out and we go out there and there's like pitch black out there right but you see these like lights like they're like really trying to shine these giant military lights down and we're like oh my god so we run to one camp we run to a tent over there like we need to tell people we didn't know if we were being invaded we didn't know if we didn't know what was happening (laughs) so we're like going to this tent we're like hey did you see what's happening they're like yeah did you see what just happened I don't even remember exactly what happened but I remember it was if that moment right there is where I ended up getting PTSD because it felt like we were in a war zone uh because we got woke up immediately twice that night and we were like we're it was a nerve-wracking and i don't remember exactly what happened there i just remember we weren't able to sleep and we were scared and we didn't know what was gonna happen we didn't know if they were gonna raid camp if the tent was gonna be yanked off of us we didn't know what was gonna happen you know because we know they were breaking down tents over at ochetti so that was an unnerving moment (laughs) (laughs) um I just remember that once we left, like, a day or two later, um, I got back to Friendswood, and I got back, um, and I was not the same person. I wasn't. I just felt like I'd been through something that I was still there. Like, like, literally focusing on what was in front of me Mm -hmm. started to feel impossible. And I just remember going back to work and just like really being deeply, intensely in this haircut that I used to be deeply, intensely in the middle of and being somewhere else. Like I was, I was there, I was like remembering everything. And I just remember like tears were coming down my eyes. I'm like, Shh. like I couldn't keep it together. I was like having, I was like shaking too. And I was like, something's wrong with me. And so I just kept going through the day and I was like, man, something's wrong with me. I shouldn't be here. I should be there. Because yeah. there's people there that are, like, fighting whatever's going on there. And I'm over here cutting hair. And I just felt like it was in. I felt...
0: felt like you can't just act like everything's okay now because you're not there.
2: Yeah. I felt like I abandoned... I felt like what people in war feel like. Like, like I left, left my soldiers.
0: Behind. Like you left them and they're yeah.
2: there. Yes. I oh, felt I like know. that. I was like, what am I doing here? And things didn't get resolved. and And I had the shakes. It was weird. And I couldn't focus. And so... But I stayed at work for another month. And I was just like, I kind of went to a few meetings to try to like connect with people on what had happened. And it was, I was like, "Eh." I just, I think it was about a month. Yeah. Cause I ended up deciding I got to go back. And it was literally in the middle of the hot season. When I say hot season, I mean like busy time for barbers. Like here comes November, December. This is like busy season. And I'm like, what? Joaquin I was Mm -hmm. like Walk. I gotta go back he's like are you sure (laughs) because he's like bad timing bro but he didn't say that but he's like are you sure and I was like yeah I just I can't it's funny because when I took the time off to go originally I didn't tell him where I went Mm -hmm. but I had told him I had told him how I felt about what was going on in the news. We'd seen it. And I was like, you got to see this. Look what's happening. He's like, whoa. He's like cutting here. We're looking at the TV. Yeah. So he knew that I felt a, a way about it. But when I I took, I ended up taking like, maybe like two days out of my work week to go there. Um And he said, when I came back, he said, he saw, because that that blew up. October 27th, um, I think it was the 27th, it became like, the day that, like, besides that whole time where uh, they let the dogs bite that one uh, water protector, mm-hmm. it became national news um, the time that I was there because all of a sudden they're seeing all these protesters get, um, you know, um, bombarded. <laughs> you know, there was a huge, there was something now that became national. And he's at home and he's watching this on TV. He goes, You know, I was there and I was watching it. And I know you said you had to go out of town for a family emergency. He's like, but I was looking at it. And I was telling my wife, something tells me Lori's there. (laughs) And he's like, I just had a feeling. He's like, I was right. I was like, yeah, I couldn't tell you, man. He's like, man, you got to do what you got to do. And I was like, yeah. "Yeah." So after a month passed and I told him, like, I got to go back. Like, I just, I wasn't the same. You know, I even had to go to like some therapist to get some kind of tincture that she put under my tongue she says here just use this uh because i i told her what happened i was like i i feel weird i feel weird i told her all my symptoms she was sounds like you have ptsd and i was like shocked i was like i have ptsd oh, yeah so i didn't know that that was possible from such an experience and so she gave me this tincture and it actually really did help um but um i i just still i couldn't stop thinking about it i was like why well, i gotta go i gotta go he's like
3: are you
2: sure? It's <laughs> so. Uh, I was like, yeah. So I ended up leaving and getting back there on Thanksgiving, and that was where I stayed a month. That was an entirely different experience than from when I was there for three days in October. Yeah, the three days in October deeply affected me,
3: <laughs>
2: but when I was there for the month in November, it was just it was. I'm not even sure I could completely explain everything. Was it much
0: more peaceful than the initial time? Peaceful? Maybe. Less chaotic?
2: Not really. Well, you know, okay. Less organized? Here's what happened. In the time that I came back from Standing Rock from October, Mm -hmm. and in the time Mm -hmm. I was just trying to get back to work and just do my thing, what happened was they threw a... they were hosing people down in freezing weather. That's what happened. And I wasn't there at that time. It was like sometime in late November.
0: Yeah, I right read about that.
2: Yeah, and they were causing people to go into hypothermia, and um, which is dangerous, right? And they're willing. They they don't care. Leave the scene. We're going to throw water on you. We're going to freeze you out. So that's what was happening. Um, and I remember some people had gotten into the river. It, that was a whole thing. It just started getting insane cold over there like nobody in texas could handle that okay we could but not we wouldn't want to <laughs> yeah so when um when i started seeing more things happen i really felt like i had abandoned my cause and the people there and um so i, I had to go back i went back um people were struggling with ptsc and hypothermia and they had them in these infirmaries over there so they were taking care of those people and i got back and now so i told you i was in this more distant uh, camp that was behind the res in this neighborhood and mm-hmm. down the highway when I came back the second time with another crew I also drove my car um, and I was now in the main camp, Ocheti Shakawin, which was the larger camp by that lake Um, and they put us in a um, in a yurt <laughs> that was an amazing space, much better than a tent um <laughs> I'm not a tint fan, but, um, yeah, that's a whole experience all in itself. Um, I feel like that there's like three large chapters in that whole experience, maybe even four that almost felt like months individually in those chapters. It just seemed like I was there a very long time and it turned out to be a month and every section of time that I was there was a different, it was just different. And it was, was it more peaceful it was more like trying to learn to survive um, with what I had been given there, and mostly it was trying to survive from the freaking cold, because it did eventually get so cold up there that all the uh, the um, porta potties that mm-hmm. were set out for everybody froze. So, okay, they overflowed and then froze. Whoa. that's gross so now um, as it had always been as, as the snow started to move in and it got insanely cold like I was Im- I became immobile like I just couldn't like I could feel all the cold it didn't matter how many layers I put on I was I became immobile like I couldn't do anything I could go outside for uh, a number of minutes and that's less than 10
0: <clears throat> yeah and I, that's
2: all I could do i'd go outside and i'd grab this or that and then i'd take it back in and put some firewood on i'm like i couldn't do it i was like it's too cold like my hands are in gloves are cold my head's in a beanie and it's cold i just it was it was it was too cold and so i would get in my car and take it to the to the um the casino and just walk around just to just be warm, to warm up. And then you know somebody in there would be like, hey man, somebody's got a room. You can take a shower if you want to, or you know that's when the that's when the kind of more like, I guess the more getting to know the local people started happening because people were like, hey, um, we know somebody, you know, you know at, at Standing Rock at the res that wants to like make everybody dinner and invite them over to their house and give them a shower. So that's how I'd get my showers is like somebody on the res would invite us out and um good for us and you know there was it was really cool wow. seeing their world they really in a lot of ways just felt like mexican family they also I, I was like insane because i remember going into this one woman's house and her having all these this little tape on all the cabinets with words on them and they were in lakota and i was like I was like, are you learning Lakota? She's like, yeah. She goes, you know, I really want my kids to learn it. I go, do you know it? She goes, no, I don't know it, And but I want my kids. And and they're starting to catch on, you know, little words. And I was just like, God, man, this sounds like us. (laughs) Because I don't know Spanish, but I I grew up hearing words, but I'm, I'm not fluent. Um, and you know, different different families are different, but it's it's really a lot of the same. It's like the colonization and the stripping away of your language and stripping away of your culture. And I met so many people out there that had just now begun to become proud from being from Standing Rock because of what's happening in all the footage and coverage they're getting on the news mm-hmm. and all the pride that's being um, like you know brought out from this situation. Like, people that, or they're now proud to be an Indian because of all this is that's happening. Because all that pride was, you know, buried underneath shame of being something that's not necessarily looked high upon or that's looked at ugly, you know? And so I I came across that a lot. I also found out that it's a food desert out there. Like, if you wanted food, like, you had to drive 45 minutes to Bismarck. Bismarck from where we are is like having to drive to, I don't know, San Antonio from where we're at, right? 45 minutes away.
0: To get more than just gas station food.
2: Right. The gas station had gas station food.
0: And there was um, one little
2: place uh, down the highway in another small little area. God, I can't remember the name of that, Rez. But they had a very small grocery store that was a little more like a like the very smallest little Mexican store you can think of, like not a full-size La Mexicana, maybe like a half of one, mm-hmm. and their, their produce section was super small. Like the one fruit you could get, I think there was two fruits, kiwi and an orange. That's it. Um, there, it just wasn't, produce wasn't there and people weren't even i didn't really see anybody around the produce either they were buying boxes of this cans of this you know what i mean it was more like an aldi you mm, know yeah. with like a couple pieces of produce it's in there all processed all processed
0: so because it can last forever and whenever the truck comes through that's all they're gonna take there
2: yeah and so if you wanted to actually grocery shop you had to go to bismarck and what was the place you grocery shopped at walmart so you had to have what Walmart would offer you, which is more processed food. Um, and you can't grow anything out there. The It's not, the temperature is too extreme to really have a garden and grow stuff. Um, so I was like, this is a food desert. This is insane. This is, you know, and like the one place in town, there's like two places that you could go to is like the casino. And then there's that college That's for the college students, you know, that's for them, you know. I don't know. It it just did, there was nothing else. There was the gas station, the casino, that little community college area, uh, and then, like, way down, you'd go to Bismarck. So, as you could see, like, there's, what do you do on the res? Right. Where do you work? Where do you go? So, that's part of the problem is that there's not a lot of access to learn and to to grow your mind and i I don't know there was a community center there i don't know what they do there it just seems like a little bit like no man's land like
0: just like a void
2: a little bit i think that's the it you know you could tell people didn't have a lot but they were so giving you know that to let us in their houses and stuff um it was just man i was like Man, you, there's so much land out here. You got this, you got that, but it's like, no, there's all these restrictions that you, that are there. Like, um, there's the family dollar, the dollar general. Everywhere had a dollar general. So you're either going to get your food from dollar general, the gas station, or the casino and go eat there and drink there.
3: Hello?
2: Yeah. It was intense. And I was like, what? <laughs> there's, there's nothing. You know what I mean?
0: So the restrictions are for, like, hey, here's your land, native, but don't get crazy building too much up. Restrictions or restrictions (laughs) as far as you think they're just, there's no, there was no enabling or amount to, for them to build more. Or you think they just wanted it to be open or is it just.
2: Food desert, yeah. So I understood. What they mean by food desert, because that is a food desert. Yeah. Um,
0: so you're staying in people's houses. They're getting, getting some meals. You're getting showers. Uh-huh. They're yeah. kind of opening up the community to you. Uh-huh. Yeah. You're starting yeah. to get to know them better.
2: Yes. And that's about the time where I got my first haircut. Because I realized, like, real, I took my kid there because I'm like, I don't know how I can help, but, you know, I took it the first time too, I think, um, but I, I, I'm like, all I know how to do is haircuts, but when I got there the first time, it was very obvious, like, people don't need haircuts here, they need justice, you know, like, this is not on the list, <laughs> but when I went there the second time, I took my stuff too, but it's, it's just because that's what I do, you know, I gotta do my stuff. Um, I, uh, you know, I was hoping to like, I was like, maybe if I set up an area where they're getting haircuts, maybe I'll just do real slow haircuts and kind of like make people feel better because people are kind of, if anybody felt the way I did after I came back, their, uh, their nerves are unended. They're, they're, you know, they're nervous. There's a nervousness to them and maybe I can help calm them down. So that's, that's really what I was thinking the second time around. Um, but even then it didn't seem like it. And I did try to organize for it at first. So like, uh, yeah, no, I don't think so. You know, that nobody really said no, but it was like kind of obvious, like that was just going to be in the way. And so, um, but by this time, like after I went back the second time and probably within like two weeks, maybe two and a half weeks, um, time is really difficult for me to figure out there. But once somebody invited me into their house, Um, that's when they're like, oh, you know, could you cut my son's hair? You know, I was like, yeah, absolutely. Um, so that's when I would do a haircut is when I was at somebody's house and it was usually for their kid Hmm. and they might have two or three kids or whatever the cases. And I was happy to do it. I was like, okay, good. Something to like get them excited about and something for me to give them in exchange. Um, so that became really neat to, uh, do some kids hair there. Um, you know, and I made sure to take some photos because I was super, felt super proud to just, I don't know, leave my mark there in a sense, you know, like I'm touching them, I'm having some sort of effect on them and they always were very happy. Like I remember the first, one of the first kids I cut, he's like, he's like, I want to design. I was like, okay. He's like, I was like, well, what do you want? He's like, I'll take the Nike sign. So I put a Nike sign in his head and, you know, it was, just cute little res kid just i'm just like feeling so proud that i was able to do this for this kid and um so i I remember doing a few haircuts in those first weeks at people's houses um and just like you know them telling me everything that's on their wall my kid drew that oh my kid you know just like getting to like see their little world uh was very endearing um and I felt like this second trip around really allowed me to kind of see more of what I had the first time. Um,
0: Just immerse yourself more in the culture.
2: Yeah, for sure. And, in the community. Yes, definitely. Um, and so um, there was that. Um, I remember going to somebody. Uh, by the second, I think by, by the mid-November, um, I had met a group of people who were, like, the descendants of, like, these great, like, protest people that were Lakota. Mm-hmm. And that that really uh, also changed things, too, because, um, I don't know, all these synchronicities started happening that I couldn't even – I'd have to, like, really go into deep meditation to remember everything that happened. But I – I, I remember there's a, there's a woman there named Watchtay and I got, um, I got linked up with her, but I had met her cousin first over here and then I had met, you know, her mother. And then it's like, I started meeting all these people around her and then I finally met her. It's just like, I don't know. It was like, I was meeting all her family. I met her cousin and her other cousin. It was just, it was just like, I started to see how connected the res was and how everybody was kind of connected familially or, you know, it just started, all these things started connecting when I just kind of let myself be there. Um, just really interesting. This really just, it, it was like a dream. It was like living in this faraway world in a dream and seeing something that was so close to you, but yet so different from you. And I've never lived in a food desert. You know, so to see that and also to hear that people had to go so far for their meals and, and to see what they're cooking at home. And I was just like, man, they're so disconnected from, you know, who knows what their original food was. I don't know. I don't know. Do they? I don't know.
0: Yeah. No, the-
2: yeah. I mean, you know, and that's when I was able to learn Lakota, Dakota, Nakota. They're all literally the, the same people, but. The the Americans when they came in and destroyed everything, they forced them all to like separate and be in separate uh, reservations that they put them on, and so they had to, you know, they said that's they split up, so their names became split too. Um, And I was just, it was just learning all these different aspects of um, things, and uh, I remember staying at this one person's house for like a week. She's like, I have this spare room. It felt like a week, maybe it was four days, I don't know. But I was like, wow. It was just so, felt so good that people opened their houses like that up to me. I went to somebody's house, I think it was Tate's house, or one of her relatives, and they made they made us uh, fry bread, and they had ground beef. It was just like having a ground beef taco, like which we grew <laughs> up with that. So I was like, whoa, this is literally just like Mexican food. I was just like, this is a trip. And so I'd heard of fry bread, and I'd actually had fry bread in Oakland before, um, At Laney College, but to see it in their own house on the res, them making it, and it was just such a treat. It was like, oh, this is so cool. So, um, yeah, there was a lot of really neat things that happened like that. I slept on some couches and on some floors and, you know. It's got to
0: be so humbling when people are, you need, you don't need much and they don't have much. But when you have nothing, you're just out there on your own with your car. And then they're opening up your home and meals. It's like really puts everything in perspective of what what do you really need, you know? And they're giving that to you, and you're like, we realize how little we give. Or it makes me realize how you know we try to be giving, but how often have I invited someone? Hey, you need you need a spot to stay. Just go ahead and stay. I've never done that.
2: Yeah, to a total stranger. You know, to a
0: total stranger.
2: And then what you know. a strange quandary they found themselves in! What a position! Like they're in their home place with the things that they're used to, and like the world—literally, the world—is rushing in to where they're from, and and like embracing it, exploiting it, you know, you know, protecting it, all this stuff, you know, and what a strange place to find yourself in that the people that are walking in your home that, you know, really need your support and if you're gonna cook a warm meal for them, amazing. The people that are walking in your home are there to somehow somehow help protect your way of life to a degree. It's just I mean, I couldn't imagine being in their position. Um, never have been. It's just it was it's just what a strange dichotomy of, it, it was just, it was, it was unusual, but it was also very humbling. And it was also, it made me realize how much I did have growing up. Like I didn't never live in a food desert. Like I said, mm-hmm. um, I still was just as, you know, pulled away from my culture as they seem to be, but it also, they just had a different quality about them that really made you, it was very endearing, a very endearing quality about them, and I don't want to make them sound like these, oh, people, like, oh, you know, but it's just my experience at the time, Um, I just felt very warmly towards them, you know, it's the best way I could put it. And their reser- like just having all of my, what I thought I was going to see all come tumbling down, like what I thought a reservation would be, like it really just being mobile homes and houses and maybe not that well cared for of a neighborhood, you know, it was like, whoa, this is a reservation. Like this just looks like a neighborhood in Austin somewhere or Houston. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And just like also to see how that was a detriment, you know, like how they have very little access to, you know. Jobs, even, you know, um, I did get a taste of, of, of their, of their, um, hospital systems sort of, because we were all at camp, um, and one of the girls there, so there was also two, there was also two, you know, um, obviously there was also Lakota people in the camp. They had come out from their homes to stay on camp so that they could also be part of the force that was at the front lines, quote-unquote. You know what I mean? Gotcha, okay. So they also, even though they lived there at the res, they came in to to stay on camp. Um, So uh, we were there in their yurt, and one of the girls, what did she... She had just made some hot tea, and she spilled the water from the kettle on her arm, and... It was like, she was like, ah, like it was like, it (laughs) sounded painful. And I'm pretty sure it was. But I'm sure that, you know, I don't know. It was, it sounded painful. They're like, let's take her to the infirmary. I was like, I have my car. So we drove her to the infirmary, which was on the camp. The tent. It's a, it's a tented area. Yeah. And some of it is like a little bit more structured, but mostly tent. And, um, they made the mistake which we didn't know then, but we know now. They made the mistake of putting like Vaseline or something on her arm, which all it did was burn more Ugh. and hold in the heat. So um, whatever they put on her arm was a no-no, but they did. And she was like, oh, it feels worse. And she was just like really in pain. And so I was like, they're like, you should go to the hospital. And I was like, I'll drive you out of a car. Like buy that, you know, my- it was so snowy out there by this point, And it was nighttime. I remember when I'd go back and forth to the casino. <laughs> there was a little spot in my... as It was about like this. It was a little spot in my windshield where it wasn't foggy. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so you're like peeking through that I little I was like hole.
2: this. I was like... Yeah, I was like <laughs> going down a dark highway in North Dakota while it's snowing. With a little triangle of a space that I'm seeing through, and there's a girl sitting next to me going, ah, going, my arm. Oh, my arm yeah. And there's somebody <laughs> in the back, like we're almost there. So I'm driving them to the hospital, the reservation hospital. Um, and that was my intro to the reservation hospital. I mean, she walked in, told her, her name, and then she walked back there and they saw her. And I was like, hmm. I was like, huh. Like, um, that's one sort of plus, although I heard that they don't have the best care in there. Um, but they do have a hospital on the reservation. Now how, like how intensely good it is or how it provides, I don't know, but they saw her that day and I waited outside and maybe I was outside for 45 minutes. I don't know. And then she came out, she's like, okay. And she was all bandaged up and we took her back to camp. I was like, whoa, because you wouldn't see that here. I mean, where would we go
0: if, you if we didn't have insurance? Team. Like, do you
2: have insurance? Do you have your insurance card? What's your,
0: you know? Oh, yeah. the Yeah. Well, there's the the way that I know if you have no insurance and you have something you need to take care of, room. you have to go to the emergency room, yeah. which is crazy. <laughs> you know, it's like you're going to use up the most resourceful full spot of hospitals that's our only go-to if you don't have insurance. Like, oh, well just 911 it.
2: Yeah.
0: Or run to the emergency room. But you can't. There's no, hey, I think there's few now that are trying to be better, like the community care spot that they think they'll see you no matter what. They're kind of like, we'll see you, but we'll figure that out later. Yeah. Type place. I think when I was in between insurances, I went there. But I'm not 100% sure I didn't have anything Think I was like I used to have insurance. Like it's supposed to re up.
2: You want my old number? <laughs> and then yeah, you want the
0: old number? I mean, I was in their system in the past. Yeah. But I, I there's supposed to be a place here in Austin where you can go and like, hey, like, this is for the no insurance people. And there's more. I I know a guy in Houston who's working with a doctor who's, who's now used to be two. I think else was thirty clinics. That's cash. It's not. It's it's cash only clinics. So he's. He has saved up enough income so that he can have regular, it's not full, you know, it's almost full doctor pay, Mm -hmm. but every, but it's open cash only, like super low cost. Yeah. You know, for all the people in Houston that don't have insurance, he's like, you can go to these now 30 spots, just pay, just cash service. Like, Hey, I need it. My kids need this or I need that. Yeah. Just pay cash, get it. and. Forget about insurance. Yeah, and that's God. needed, yeah, right? And absolutely. so now he's growing, and I think he's planning to do, you know, just ten a year or something. But that's that's the only one I had ever. Be heard the
2: buckies of hospitals.
0: Pretty much. I mean, that's Be what like, it is. Clean restrooms. <laughs> yeah, and so there he's able to make it work.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Well. Yeah, that was one of the things I saw. Is that you know I drove her, we took her, she came out. She was, I was like, she was like that was oh, interesting. Cool. Yeah, I was like, that's cool. You know, um, that was that. One day I did um, go to my car and the back wheel would not turn. The back rear wheel would not turn. It's frozen. It was frozen. So I spent like maybe two days, three days trying to get people who'd walk by, anybody, somebody I knew, to try to like do everything to get this wheel to turn. And, I mean, we did everything from torch it. like, oh, probably melt it. There's probably snow stuck in there. Melt and torch it. Uh, Try to take it off. You know, we we try to do everything possible to it. I even had to call Honda. I was like, I need to order these new, I don't remember what it is I had to order. I'm like, I Mm -hmm. can't believe it. I was like, I can't even leave Standing Rock right now because my cars won't go. So, because I didn't know how long I was going to stay there. I was, I, I couldn't, I didn't know. Um, but now I know that I, I think at this point I was like, I want to leave.
0: Mm-hmm. And then I and couldn't. Then and then your car's frozen. Yeah. Your tire is frozen. Perhaps oh you tired with the wheel.
2: The wheel is frozen, so it won't, it won't go anywhere. So I spent like three days, I don't know how many days trying to get it to go, and it was crazy because there just wasn't that much sunlight and it was so cold out there. You couldn't just, you just couldn't be out there too long trying to work on that thing and run back into the, into the yurt. I'm like, oh,
3: put the fire on <laughs> <laughs> it. was,
2: so it was like, and then I had to have somebody drive me up to Bismarck because I ordered this part, this Honda part uh, from the Honda place and I bought it from them and I came back, had somebody try to put it on. They're like, "This isn't working." And it didn't work, and I had to return it. It was, it was it's a lot to do when you're out there in the middle of nowhere in the dead of winter on South Dakota. And so this so much happened in this time that was just I can't even remember all of it. I just remember that we would go to meetings, sometimes there'd be meetings. There's things I don't even want to tell you about that are crazy here's the thing, at the end of the day, Standing Rock both broke my heart and lit a fire in me and stole my heart at the same time. Because when you're at a place where you don't want the police to be and you're protesting, the police are not welcome. And that is very well known. And the perfect Person to come into a place where police are not welcome are people that are there to do you harm. So there was definitely rapes on campus. Um, there was there was people were getting away with things that wouldn't normally happen because the people there did I say campus I mean not camp. Yeah. They because they nobody wanted to call the police and have them come to camp because that would. Right, that would destroy everything. That would really tarnish what, a, what, we, what we were a, trying to do.
0: What a sad way for evil people to take advantage of the A
2: situation. super sad way. A super sad way. There was definitely women there that were being uh, taken advantage of. There was, because there was no protests and it was increasingly cold, there were people there who were really struggling, started to struggle with alcohol. Mm-hmm. Um, it just started to get real real dark, real dark there. Um you know, it's it, it just there was, was it about
0: that time where you're like, I think I need to get out of here. Uh,
2: you know, I don't remember. I really don't remember. But while I was there, there's a tribe in Texas that I had met right before I came back. They're like, oh, we. I was like at a fundraiser. They're raising money for the pipelines, and um, you know, this was act after my October experience, and it's this Texas tribe. I'm like, Texas tribe. I'm like, what's that? Mm-hmm. And they're like, hey. They're like, Hey, we can really use your help. I was there, I was like, Hey, uh, what is this? Where's y'all? Where are y'all from? They're like, Oh, this, this is, we're from the Rio Grande Valley. But you know, I was like, they're like, Are you from Texas? I was like, Yeah. I was like, I'm Chicana. They're like, You're probably, you probably have our blood. You're probably one of us. I was like, Well, I don't know. You know, I was, I was like, All I know, they're like, We need your help. There's a pipeline here being built too. And we need, we need your help. It's going to destroy our water too. And I was like, well, I've already made the promise to go back to Standing Rock. They're like, well, call us when you get back. And I was like, um, okay. I was really shocked because, first of all, I was like, Texas Indians? I was I was like, I didn't know that. And then I was like, me, one of them? I was like, I don't know. I was like, but I had just, you know, I did know I have of blood. I was like, but wait, hold on. So I was like double confused. And then I was like, well, I'm going to Standing Rock. So I went there and ended up speaking – that time there and you know i told you i would go to the casino so i would email there
3: mm-hmm.
2: and so i would get a hold of somebody named juan i don't know who it was but it was somebody that was part of the texas indians over here and so you know he would send me information you know and i would send them information i did my best to try to like meet with uh uh LaDonna, who was this very well known um lakota woman who was also heading up the movement there and very well respected in her neighborhood. So I was like trying to meet up with her and I did and and I was like, listen, they're asking me to go help them in Texas. What do I do? I've never, I don't even know what I'm doing here. (laughs) And so I remember trying to get information from her and it being really, uh, her really just kind of, you know, I don't even remember her advice. I just remember being very humbled being in front of her at a round table and talking to her about it. And I just remember thinking like, what do I do again? <laughs> What'd she say? <laughs> I don't remember what she said. I just remember really just being in awe of her right. and her and her energy and, and you know, she's obviously like this elder, well respected, very beautiful, uh you know, Lakota woman. And so I was doing things to try to come back to help that cause that I said I would, because I just didn't know how I was being of a help there. And I know it became more about be in the numbers, be in the numbers, hold it down, hold it down, be in the numbers. Um, but I was having all these different experiences that just told me, like, I'm, my goal is to get closer to go back home and help the people there that are going through the same thing that need the help and to learn more about that. Cause at least I need to go back home right. at some point and they're in Texas. So that became my goal. And I remember one night, um, uh, being in someone else's yurt because everybody had left my yurt. Nobody was in there. So I was in this giant yurt. All by myself. And that's when I met the people over here that were tied to all these different uh, protest uh, relatives of theirs that were Lakota, like Washte Win and her mother Phyllis. These were all like generational, like strong women in the Lakotas, and um, that's where I met them, and I slept in their yurt for a while, because there was nobody in mine, and it was like, cold, I wake up, I
0: I need some body heat over here,
2: I know, so I remember one night, just thinking of so much stuff that Juan wow. was telling me, and all the stuff I was learning, and I was just like, God, and I woke up one night, and I was like, I can't sleep, so I went outside the yurt, and it's like, because it's like, you gotta put your boots on, it's snowy, <laughs> and I look up at the moon, and I'm like. And I was like, what am I doing? I was like, you know what? I'm awake. I'm going to go to the casino and do some research on this, on what's happening in Texas, you know, on this stuff. So I went and it must have been like Four in the morning. I go there and I get on the computers and I start doing all my research, start printing out this stuff and I'm like doing my homework, right? And I some five o'clock rolls around, 5.30, I'm there and I'm like, okay, I have all these papers of stuff that I need to read up on, right? And I put it in my backpack (laughs) and I'm like exhausted. I'm like, man, I'm tired now. I was like, you know what? I'm going to go play some penny slots. So I go and I play some penny slots. It's like six in the morning. Okay, and so the stragglers were in there like, (laughs) you know, throwing pennies in the slats. Um, So, uh, and by this point, I was an avid smoker already. I'd already started rolling my own tobacco and I was smoking every day. And it was the thing I needed to get through the day and through my time there. So, um, and actually in October when I was there, I had started smoking tobacco. When I came back, I was so nervous that I, <laughs> I continued to roll my own tobacco. Yeah, so that started me smoking tobacco and rolling my own tobacco there. So when I got back, you know, it's part of my routine, and so.
0: So you're at the penny slots. You see all the, at, the committed yes. few, the hardcore <laughs>
2: few. Yeah, and I remember just like going to this one machine and throwing in a penny and putting max bet. Whoa, uh. right. <laughs> I know. Like, Is it, it rain? I remember the, the machine was, uh it was like cows from outer space.
0: That was sweet, name.
2: I was like, I know I was like cows from outer space. So I was like, okay. So I played it for like a short minute and I started to understand it. And then I put the the max bed in and all the cows started coming down. And as they were coming down, they'd make little faces at you. And one of them came down and made a face and got stuck. It goes, Whoa! <laughs> and it just goes like that, and I looked at it, and then all of a sudden, woo, woo, the freaking bell goes off, and I'm winning tons of money. I'm what? Like, what? I looked around because I was like, "What the? I was like, "What happened? And it's like, I won fourteen hundred dollars. Dang! And which was I'm amazing. Yeah, because first of all, I lost so much money by not working the whole time I was there, but right. and I didn't know how I was gonna do anything. I didn't know how. I Often would call my mom on a payphone mm-hmm. and just you know say you know tell her I'm okay and I would call my ex girlfriend and I would just tell her everything that was going on. I just needed those people there to just just at least just tell them like this is what's happening da 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 da. Um, and um, they're all okay, you know. Just be careful. And so uh, those are my go to people. But when that happened, I was like. Like, I had just met Wash Tay and her group of of people and her friends and stuff. And it was six in the morning, and they come out, and everyone's like, crowds me. And I was like, they're like, they're like, do you, so do you want us to take taxes out of it or do you want this all in cash? I'm like, cash, please. (laughs) And so they're just like, proceed to count all this money in my hand. And I'm like, looking at it, like, what the hell? I just shove it in my pocket, and there's this huge wad. And as it, I walked around so suspicious
0: of everybody that,
2: that morning because I was like, uh, I don't need to get jumped. I need to put this money safe somewhere. Uh, holy crap! There's fourteen hundred dollars in my pocket. Um, and to me, it was like I wasn't. I don't know. To me, I was. It was really unnerving. But at the same time, it was a huge blessing. So I remember nothing ever like that happened to me. So I remember, like, really shortly, like, Wash Tay and her whole crew walked in and, um, and they saw me. I'm like, hey. And I, and I was, they're like, what are you doing here? At six of the morning. And I'm nothing. like, I was like, research. <laughs> like, what? And so I didn't want to tell anybody I had won money. Right. But I also, uh, yeah, I'm not used to, like, hiding things. Uh, so I was like, uh, you know, just, yeah, I was bad. I'm a bad liar. And so that began their um, distrust of me because so they knew something was up. So we're like, oh, well, we're going to go and eat breakfast. Come eat breakfast with us. So that began where they thought I was an infiltrator. Um there was a, there was a few people in there that were like, something's up with her. She's an infiltrator. And that was a big deal to be called an infiltrator because there were actual infiltrators there that were turning people in and messing people, messing things up there. Right. So that really threw off my, um, my vibe with them to a degree and I started to kind of break away from them a little bit but not Wash Tay. Wash was always real cool with me and she'd still invite me into her house and let me take showers but there was a crew there that I could tell like they really had their suspicions high about me but I was not gonna tell them that I had won the money cause I know they need the money just as bad as I do probably but I'm out here helping yeah. out in whatever way I can I need to make sure my bills get yeah, paid you're not
0: working for a month and you still yeah. need to get home
2: Exactly. And my car still isn't your car working. Is still frozen. So yeah, so I w- I really like coveted that money and held it really close because I was like this is the blessing that I needed to get back home. Right. And to to cover the bills I haven't been able to while I was out here. So that did throw off my um my my energy with some of those folks there, but I couldn't really help it. Um so anyways, the casino, I started to kind of like also like like I didn't know what else to do. We're smoking in the casino, drinking in the casino. So I just remember thinking, like, like you can't go on to camp. They're like, have you been drinking? Like, no. And they're like, okay, come on in. They're making sure to try to keep drugs and alcohol at the camp, although mm-hmm. it was in there. Insane. People were hiding bottles. People were taking because, bo- like, at this point, no, not a lot of people could really protest. So it was like we now were left to our devices. Camping. We're just camping now. Yeah. And like freezing weather, (laughs) Uh, you know, if you want to go to the restroom, you got to go to the casino or there was plenty of times where I couldn't make it to the casino. And what do you got to do? You got to get a grocery bag and you got to make that happen out in the snow. You know, it it was rough. Oh yeah, it was rough. So, you know, I remember all this stuff I had to do to try to get my car working. (sighs) And finally some guy in a Jeep rolls by and I was like, Hey, I was like, can you just, Can you pull my car? Because I was thinking, if I could just get it to roll, the wheel would just start moving. Like, to just get it
0: to the road and off the dirt? Well,
2: well, no. Just to get the wheel to move in motion. Maybe it just needed to be in motion. So, if I put it in neutral, because I got a stick shift, Mm -hmm. that it'll just get the wheels rolling. And lo and behold, it did. He took me all around camp. And the wheels started rolling. He took me up to the highway where there was less snow on the road. And the wheels started moving. I was like, Ah! I was like, oh, okay, okay, it's moving, it's moving. And so um, basically, like, I got in my car and left it running and drove back down into camp, uh, grabbed all my stuff. And while my car was running and I was like started to shove it in my car, I was like, I'm leaving right now. It's like right now I'm leaving. And, uh, I think somebody who was there was like, oh, you're leaving. I live in, and they, they just threw out their state. Like, I don't remember what it was, Tennessee. I don't remember. They're like, could you just drive me halfway? I was like, yes, get in. Can you be ready in this much time? Yeah. And so like, to me, this was like my ticket out. It was like, I'd been there three and a half weeks. All this stuff had gone down. Um, and I was like, it's time to go. Um, and so, like, I'm driving, this was an insane moment, like, night was falling, and I'm gonna leave camp, and I'd been here for, like, a monumentous amount of time, <laughs> and, uh, like, camp was lined with all these flags and these signs that just, just, I just remember driving, putting her in my car, driving down this road through camp, this main drag, and, my my chest being torn wide open because I was like, why am I leaving again?
0: Oh. Yes. I was like,
2: I, it was so torn. It was so torn. I didn't know what I was doing. I was so torn. Uh, and I remember the, turning the radio on and November rain was playing and just like my world kept crashing down because I was there all of November, right? And just like, oh, and I was just like bawling and, my, and the girl in the car was going, are you okay? I'm like, I don't know. I don't know. And I'm like, driving out of camp onto the highway down I was like just 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 let's go let's go keep Keep going going. you know because I felt like I was running away and that I had there was something I hadn't accomplished
1: yet I don't know what it was
2: and so I'm driving down the highway and and I'm like oh I forgot you know you know I have to pick up I forgot I have to pick up uh, I don't even remember her name anymore uh (laughs) too I think I was like I have to pick her up she said she wanted to go and so I drove into the casino and then my wheel got stuck. I'm like,
3: oh, my wheel got stuck. No. No.
2: So I like was able to get it up to a parking spot, but uh, it was done. My car was parked for the next week and a half, two weeks at the casino. I was like stuck. I was like, so I'm trapped. On, Dang. Um, I'm trapped at Standing Rock. Um. So I think that actually is when I met Tay. And all that happened, and all the magic occurred of meeting her people. That's when that happened. It was like. That I could not leave Standing Rock without meeting her family and her lineage and her people. And it was crazy because it was such a magical thing to meet her family. And that's that's when all the stuff happened. I told you in reverse,
3: actually. Because I hadn't actually <laughs> met
2: them all yet. I'd met some people at Standing Rock and met different families, but I hadn't met Wash Tay's family. She really comes from a lineage of just great people from the Lakota nation um, that have done things that I don't even know. But they're like... They're very legendary Lakota people that just, you know, they have such a pride about them that is just unbreakable. That's still beautiful. But I did end up staying for two more weeks, and that's when I wanted the casino you know, actually. <laughs> <laughs> but that moment was like it—it it really shifted my time. My last two weeks there was just like insane. Like insane, um, but that's when all that happened. I said it in reverse. It's really hard to remember these events. Actually, how they happened. I mean, it's a
0: lot. And it's I, a lot. And I think this is a good spot where we should we can continue conversation. Yeah, but I think we should we should wrap this part up
2: this in a little box. Uh,
0: wrap this in a little tight little bow. Yeah. Um. Thank you so much <laughs> for sharing all this, and uh, again, your time. I look. Like, I look forward to always where your big supporter will be there at that truck trailer blast. I'm going to connect you with people, but whatever you need here for you, appreciate you, and uh, we'll, keep, we'll keep learning about each other, all right?
2: <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate it very much.
0: Be healthy, y'all.